Attention, podcast listener. We've got an exciting new podcast coming just for patrons of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 has begun exclusively for our $5 and up patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's the first 10 episodes of Futurama coming to you once a week. So just sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you'll get Talking Futurama Season 2 and all of our limited miniseries, including the entirety of Talking Futurama Season 1. That's 13 episodes. That is patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, a marvelous celebration of the human spirit. I'm your host, the crown prince of corruption, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Hey, it's Henry Gilbert and maybe we haven't used enough gunpowder. And who is our special guest on the line? Hi, I'm Casey Green and I, I don't understand the appeal of all this senseless violence. And today's episode <laughs> is Krusty Gets Busted. Don't blame me. I didn't do it. <laughs> Comedy, thy name is Krusty. Today's episode aired on April 29th, 1990, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> Oh boy, Bobby, Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You tops the Billboard charts. Alex Rebecca marries Gene Curvon, and they're still together at the time of this recording. Aww, is that sweet? He's, very sweet. He's, he said she's been a real rock to him during his, uh, his health problems lately. And the long-lost pilot for I Love Lucy airs on CBS in a special presentation. Ooh. It, uh, it's, it's an interesting story that it was, they filmed it, but they thought they lost it, and they, they also had, it was with previous people who were cast as Fred and Ethel, so it didn't air when it uh, was new. I would have assumed they gave Lucy a non-ethnic husband. <laughs> no, Lucy, no. you have some explaining to do. <laughs> Uh, no, Desi was still in it, and in fact, she was like six months pregnant with their first child during oh, the wow. filming of it. But, mm. uh, but because it didn't air back then, they didn't save it, and it got lost. They thought it was gone forever, and then in like '89, a family friend of the Arnezes she revealed that her husband, who had passed away, got it as a gift, like he, from Desi Arnaz, who was just like. Hey, you're my friend here. Thanks for helping us out on the show. It's a special copy of the of the pilot. And she was shocked to see, like, wow, they have the pilot. Oh, my God. And so they aired it. It was mm. presented by Lucy's daughter. who She's like, my mom was pregnant with me during the filming of this, so technically I'm in this. <laughs> and yes, Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You, as we all know, written by Prince. But Oh, that's uh, right, yeah. But it's a great song. Her version of it is the is the famous It part. does sound like a Prince song. I don't know why I didn't know this fact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Prince famously wrote songs for other people just because he's like, I could sing this, but I think it'd be better with, you know, 
sung by you. And uh, and yeah, Sinead O'Connor, it's a, it's a really great song of her just like, and also just her standing in place somewhere and just uh, in a gray void in the music videos, I recall. I recall the Tiny Toons uh, yes. parody of it was about Yul Brenner, who I wouldn't oh, yeah. know who that was for a long time. Uh, it was nothing compares to Yule. So I, there you go. I guess the joke is they were both bald. Is that uh, the joke? That's the, oh, yeah, that's the joke. I was like, oh, I just, the uh, you sounds like Yule, but yes. Uh, They're all bald. Don't yeah, I don't know anything about Sinead O'Connor other than the jokes from Saturday Night Live about her. Yeah. She was right to tear that uh, picture of the Pope. You yeah, know? we should be doing that every day on every yeah, show. Good for her. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you know, fuck Saturday Night Live. <laughs> but like, uh, that's all I know. That's really all I know. What are you talking about? They're the vanguard of truth in this troubling time. <laughs> the, the, no, no. Um, I, I also did want to say, I meant to say this a few episodes ago, but forgot in the timeline of history, the Simpsons mania has gotten so big at this point mm-hmm. that in March and April was when the Simpsons finally started started getting on the covers of big magazines. March and April had them appearing on the covers of Entertainment Weekly, Newsweek, and TV Guide in the same month. I wonder if Bart was squaring off against the paragon of morality Bill Cosby yet. <laughs> I believe that is a September 1990 uh, cover when the, of TV Guide or Entertainment Weekly when they're promoting how they're against each other in the ratings. It's great that he's in jail now and Bart still remains free. Yes. <laughs> uh, One of these dates will get him. It's hard not to think of Cosby watching this episode, I, I will say. Uh, but uh, but yeah, and in, in June, there will be the Rolling Stone cover of Bart, which is where it's mm. like Bart's face on the one side and then on the back cover, it's the back of his head in a clever joke. And I'm just thinking this episode comes off of like three intense bummer episodes in a row. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I was happy to see it. Oh, well, I'm feeling so free yeah, doing like, this episode. Uh, yeah, what were the last? What were the last three episodes? It I was can't think the last three were like Marge almost cheats. Homer uh, has a huge fight with Marge over Princess Cashmere, and oh, then yeah. Bart gets tortured. Tortured by the French for yeah. an entire episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, uh, that, man, that crepes of rats. What a bummer town. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear our, I mean, you've heard our episode heard about it, it yeah. and uh, we were just like despondent, I will say, yeah. over that episode. <laughs> but that's, that still has probably like the one best joke in season one. So it's like where he says, uh, uh, so uh, overall, I was uh, I met one nice French person. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. I think that was like an ADR joke. <laughs> it worked. Uh, it was great. But hey, we welcome back a cartoonist, Casey Green. Hello. Hey. Is my third time here? I yes. Believe, it's a yeah. three-peat. Ah. Well, when do I get my uh, chip? Uh, that's five. We're, it's the five timers club. Last one was uh, Mayor to the Mob. Yes, yeah, with mm-hmm. all the Comic Con talk. Yeah, that's correct. Fun stuff. And uh, yes, uh, Casey. In case again, folks that haven't heard uh, your previous appearances, you're a wonderful cartoonist. Everybody loves your work. Your your I guess your claim to fame would be the uh, This Is Fine Dog. You've done so many great great works. Yeah. Still work. I Gun Show is another one people still uh, love all these years ago. Gun uh, Show Anime is, Club. Anime Club was a famous one. He is a Good Boy was a recent one I just finished. Yes. And uh, still working on a Far Side parody comic called Fuck Off. I, I love, love those. I love those so much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You you published one right before this uh, recording that I just love of the the girl looking in the mirror going like, Why won't my teeth fall out? <laughs> yeah. That that one came to me when I was watching the Jetsons movie. <laughs> 
um, just be, just because I loved that style and like and also uh, the the crazy music video that Tiffany did. Oh god, that music video! <laughs> yeah, it's such a basic ass movie, but it's so just like fun to watch. Very <laughs> Kennedy too, because I'm pretty sure Kennedy cartoons did some on it. I can't oh, believe yeah. they hired Kennedy to do feature work. <laughs> oh, what were they thinking? God, it's so wild to see that. I think that'll probably be like our. 90th movie if we get that far in our 12 movies a before year before retire movies, yeah. uh, in, in 2040 we'll be like well I guess it's come to what Jetsons we've done every other movie uh, but you got it smell blanks last uh, you know yeah that's Jetson true. you're fired and also George whatever the the voice of George, George O'Hanlon yeah. I mean yeah, I no that's so. his name okay yeah yeah, yeah yeah they're like both in their deathbeds next to each other with uh. mics dangling over them oh <laughs> uh, it's, it's sad it, well the production took so long but it's just like... Jane <laughs> uh, but yes Casey welcome back and what a what a fitting one to have you on because I think you know the the spirit of Krusty and the crazy cartoon antics of Itchy and Scratchy I think uh, you know really fits with the fun spirit of your comics as well well yeah and that's why i pushed myself onto this one too because i have a whole history lesson about underground uh violent cat and mouse comics to get into oh boy <laughs> well you know why don't we wait until the appearance of itchy and scratchy in the episode before we go to that but yeah uh, i do have some history though about the director of this episode some facts you might have heard if you've listened to our what a cartoon movie about iron giant where we did a whole big thing on brad bird's entire life oh, but it's brad he did do this uh, but this will be a big focus on just Brad Bird, particularly when it comes to The Simpsons. I think a big thing to understand before I even get into that is just like Brad. This I think is is definitely the best episode of season one, and I think Brad Bird has a big thing to do with that because I think he he really understood the spirit of The Simpsons and what they were going for, and articulated it better than any other director in season one did. Yeah, he immediately got it, uh, yeah. having done mm-hmm. something like uh, Family Dog mm-hmm. before. Yeah, sorry, I said that like. New Yorker family dog (laughs) Dizzy Zorg uh, but yeah, he, I mean, he gets, Brad Bird just got The Simpsons, or I wouldn't even say got it. He defined what getting it is. He knew what it was and now before before it became new and scary to all of us <laughs> in new episodes. But okay, yes, Brad Bird, born September 24th, 1957 in Montana. A uh, childhood love of animation brought him to Hollywood at an early age. While taking a studio tour of Disney at age 11, he told uh, the iconic nine old men animators frank and ollie he said like i want to be an animator and they kind of like challenged like yeah right kid draw something yourself if you want to get draw tippy the turtle (laughs) then get back to me (laughs) draw this pirate uh but frank and ollie challenged him this 11 year old and brad bird spends two years making his own short cartoon which he like you know filmed on a super eight with just like click 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 the the way home school animation was done back then uh it's very impressive for a child what he created you can look up his his short it's it's all, all over youtube bird's parents shared it with walt disney studios and brad was offered the unheard of internship at 14 years old at disney animation that's crazy and uh, he studied under disney legend milt call that was his his main teacher i think Don Bluth got in around like 16. Yeah, yeah. Though to Walt Disney. Though he had at least the edge of like I 
Uh, no, you know, he also uh, had to move to L.A. to do it, too. Like, he was a middle America boy, so... Utah, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's uh, some of the weirdness about of, <laughs> of Don Bluth country at Utah. Very Mormon man. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so in the mid-'70s, you know, Brad Bird, after doing that internship, he... He knows he's going to be an animator. Disney wants to lock him down. He heads to CalArts, where an entire generation of animators was going, uh, including, you know, his uh, later employer at Pixar, John Boo Lasseter. And uh, <laughs> as we mentioned on other podcasts, 70s were a dark time for Disney. Brad Bird was not having a good time working there. He was a highly opinionated guy who the company thought would be like, oh, you're the future of this company. You're going to be one of our next great directors in the 80s. But he just clashed with the execs too much, and he was deemed, like, insubordinate. He he was working on The Fox and the Hound and was miserable, thought it was a piece of shit, and was very mm. open with management about, like, this is bad and it can be better. Let me fix it. And they, like, straight up fired him. They're just like, you're out of here. Oh. You're fired. Speaking of Blue, that's when Blue did the uh, Exodus. Yes, The Don yeah. Bluth Exodus, the but film Make His Own Studio. It's funny, Bird didn't go in that Exodus. He, he got fired and went off in his own direction instead of... Uh, I mean, it sounds like Bird Bird is kind of his own uh, leader type, and uh, he he wouldn't want to be a follower of Don Bluth. That's that's my guess on the uh, let's say rugged individualist yeah. of uh, Brad Bird. That's a good way to describe him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so as the 80s began, it was a complicated one for Bird, also marked by, you know, a tragic loss of his sister. Mm. And he had many odd jobs and in-between jobs. He also was trying to sell a film version of uh, Will Eisner's pioneering comic, The Spirit. Uh, Casey, I don't know if you've ever seen it. The the pencil test for the the Spirit movie Brad Bird wanted to make, it's, it's really amazing. Mm. No, I have not. It's yeah. on YouTube, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Easy to watch. He uh, he made it with Lasseter and John Musker. Make some notes. <laughs> it's it's really great. Everyone should look it up. But I uh, and also though he he had trouble still working within the system. He was mostly just taking odd jobs. You know his individualism borders on Randian. Bird rejects the <laughs> uh, Brad Bird himself in interview says I'm not an Ayn Rand guy. That's <laughs> not who I am. Though though he does admit that in his youth he did read the books a lot. And of he, course he was a fan then i i don't know his, I, uh, I mean let, let's wait for you guys to do the fucking uh uh in, incredibles movie podcast yeah i'm afraid and to then watch we, that and then we can really talk about it <laughs> i only watched yeah. that movie once when it came out and i didn't really know about that world now i am too tapped into the mindset of those folks and mm. I'll, I'll see nothing but that and like yeah. every yeah. sentence of the movie yeah. i yeah. i i will say brad bird's movies they have Things about like you have to stand out, get away the wheat from the chaff, all that stuff. It doesn't have as many Randian messages about like the parasites who steal from you and the the takers and the makers. Uh, so none of the worst stuff. I I would uh, if I had to diagnose Bird on the chart on the you know, the classic four quadrant political chart. <laughs> I'd I'd call him a left libertarian mm. is what I'd call him. But uh but anywho, uh so yes, he can't sell that uh that spirit movie though. He's trying to sell it as a PG movie, but but it's not working. But that does bring him into the orbit of Steven Spielberg and he starts working on a lot of stuff with Amblin. He writes the script for batteries not include asterisk. There we go, you gotta say it. Batteries not included. <laughs> That's part of it. <laughs> 
and uh, also worked on some stuff for the Steven Spielberg anthology Amazing Stories, which is back on Apple TV, apparently. Uh, no one would know. No. <laughs> there are several, like I said on an earlier podcast, the, the creator of Bob's Burgers has a new series on Apple TV that looks just like Bob's Burgers, and it's a musical. Wow. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> I, I, that's just Central Park. Because <laughs> like I, I have Apple, I have like an Apple TV myself. I don't have like the the, the subscription series, but I see it like uh, like uh, shown to me all the time. Mm. And I'm like, I like Bob's Burgers, but I don't really need another fucking well, well, subscription. No, no. Though in this uh, streaming needs age, maybe I'll run out of everything I haven't watched yet on Hulu and Netflix and sign up for Apple TV Plus. Mm. But maybe I'll get a, <laughs> a VPN. Oh well, uh, hey now, <laughs> we would never endorse such a thing on here. <clears throat> no, I just yeah. want to be safe online. That's yeah, all. Yeah. Um, but so, Amazing mm. Stories, he joins up in that, and that is when he directs his first television broadcast thing, the one-off episode, Family Dog. I have extremely vivid memories of watching that on TV as a really little kid. I don't think I saw the original airing on whatever like evening that it aired, but for some reason, somebody was rerunning it. Uh, and when I would see it, a few, I saw it like a few times, and I would just be like, what is this? Why does it look so cool? <laughs> Are there more episodes of this? Like, I didn't even have the context for knowing what it was but i have such vivid memories of watching family dog dog <laughs> dog i have more memories of seeing the family dog video game at my local ah. video video store and then going that looks like it would be a fun cartoon and I, then never looking it up beyond that <laughs> that's based on the the ill-fated tv series which was like in development hell they didn't air all the episodes i remember watching the debut and it's a very uncomfortable episode because for 22 oh, minutes no. the dog is thirsty and all he wants to do is drink water oh. and so you're watching a dog all these gags about the dog he can't get water it's almost like a <laughs> a more cruel version of the plucky bit in the Tiny Toons movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because uh, the family dog is like, he doesn't talk or anything, and he's innocent. It's just the torturing of a nice character. There's no, you don't, you only feel bad for him. I, I, the episode was so popular of Amazing Stories, but then when they tried to stretch it out into a TV show, it just doesn't work. Like, it's it's not made for that. But, uh, mm. but yeah, it was based on an idea he'd actually, Brad Bird, developed years Years earlier with Tim Burton, which is why it looks a bit Tim Burton-y as yeah, well. Yeah, the character design for sure. Like the little girl feels like she could be in uh, Jack Skellington's world. Yeah. Well, and the dog doesn't look too different from like Frankenweenie's uh, design too. Especially yeah. the later CG movie. Yes. Yeah. Brad Bird was spending a lot of the 80s trying to sell other films. He almost directs some live action stuff. He's actually staying away from the, uh, the dregs of television animation in the 80s. Like I think he he definitely looked down upon it uh, but but then you know while he's working on all that stuff his schedule is opened up in 1989 and he joins Klasky Chupo uh, as an executive consultant on a show about a yellow family and uh, yeah he would this would be his first this episode I think would be his first direction of a real TV episode like hmm. Family Dog is a television animated episode but I think the time frame it has and the budget it had is not the same as a weekly animated TV series yeah, like The Simpsons that, It's like movie quality animation. No, mm-hmm. it, it is. It's for yeah. sure like feature quality yeah. character animation. Well, this has a, you know, a smaller, I'm sure a smaller budget than Family Dog had and a tighter schedule. So, uh, and Brad on the commentary even is like, he's very clear about like, look, we had certain resources. I wish things were better in this, but he, he still really likes it. He still uh, enjoys this episode. 
And I think he wasn't originally planned to be a director as well, but I think his schedule was open enough at the same time as they fired multiple directors. This could have been a Milk Gray episode or a Kent Butterworth yeah. episode. Oh, Who knows? We're, we're so lucky Brad took this one on. Brad also mentions how hard it was on the commentary saying, like, this was before they had an assistant director to work on the show and that he said he was sick when he started working on it and he was sick when he ended his work on this episode. <laughs> Uh, but also Brad brought a, uh, a special thing to this because he grew up with the TV clown Rusty Nails, just like Matt Groening did. Yeah, Christian-y clown from Portland. I tried mm. to find clips of him from for this podcast, but all I found on YouTube was like a retrospective of uh, Rusty Nails. Mm. He was like friends with Pat Robertson. Oh, of course. Because he was uh, <laughs> spreading the gospel of Jesus with clown antics. Mm. But uh, the voice is not uh, Rusty Nails' voice, just the idea and the name Rusty Nails is like mm. a kind of a gross... <laughs> <laughs> like disease well, rusty name and crusty very yeah. similar yeah and uh one well, also there's uh there's a gag in here that connects to rusty nails is owner part uh, partial ownership of a uh, dairy farm as well yeah and also uh i believe dan castaneta is doing a voice similar to one of his local clowns cookie yes yeah uh, cookie. cookie the clown yes. so boy i'm so glad we're out of that era i we missed the clown era at least i did no you had you had, you had bozo i had uh i knew cookie because he was bozo's sidekick in my area That's i was crazy. Watching Chicago Bozo in Florida because we had WGN. Yeah, we we would get WGN and uh, yeah, I saw some Bozo on Sunday. Oh wow, you're younger than us, Casey. I'm surprised that you saw a Bozo too. I didn't realize there was a clown like thing, a, an explosion of TV clowns. I thought Bozo was it, you know, I, Rusty Nails and all these others. I'm like, who? I dreamed of doing that grand prize game. I never got to, but uh, where you throw ping pong balls in a bucket. Yep, that's oh, what one. a low yeah. budget. Like Double Dare was had ten times the budget as that. Uh, <laughs> and the best part was, a kid would throw a thing in the bucket. He's like, and you just won this, and he would just say a commercial for like a toy or a cookie or whatever. He's like, okay now the next one. Oh, and now you just won this board game like it it was just commercials in between uh ping pong tosses pretty sneaky <laughs> uh but but yes uh bird though when not directing episodes his job was more of a like a two or three days a week thing where he would just oversee boards and other things when they'd come in and he'd you know offer tips or suggestions or or changes to things he also like uh we've talked about many times on here but brad bird's guidebook to storyboarding the simpsons was incredibly important in defining the looks of the animation in the show uh it's all on internet just search you know brad bird simpsons storyboards you'll you'll learn a whole lot about how he defined what a shot uh looks like in the simpsons and uh, right after working on this i think brad bird almost immediately went to budapest hungary to uh animate the do the bartman music video oh wow that's right yeah <laughs> the uh, the Varga Studio, which is uh, what they worked out of in a lot of the Do the Bartman, uh, not Deep Deep Trouble by that. I think Do the Bartman was the last thing they did with Varga because it was just so hard. Like they did some of the early Butterfinger commercials. And then once Rough Draft was really getting going, they're like, OK, we're doing the we're doing commercials and music videos out of there. No, no more of this Hungarian stuff. I'm looking at Brad Bird's uh, thing you mentioned, Henry, and all of this is like uh, him like touching up King of the Hill storyboards. Yes, yeah, there's that too he, he was a big part of that also oh really yeah. Bird was on king of the hill uh at least in the formative uh like start of it he, okay. he helped wes archer a lot on interesting that, I think. okay 
Um, I'm sure we must have covered that in our series. I just forgot. <laughs> oh, and also on Do the Bart Man, uh, he was joined by Jeffrey Lynch, Greg Vanzo, and Mike B. Anderson. Jeffrey Lynch, one of Brad Bird's favorite co-workers. But yes, Bird would only co-direct one other episode of the show, uh, the sequel basically to this one, Like Father, Like Clown. Who was the other director on that? Silverman? Mm. Oh, it was Jeffrey Lynch. Like, oh, who worked? Yeah. Like, I'm sure he was his assistant. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, maybe that was Bird, you know, uplifting him of like, no, you're co-director on this. And Jeffrey Lynch is one of the best directors The Simpsons ever had. Like, he's, he's right up there with Bird. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it's hard to underestimate how much Bird added to The Simpsons and helped defining its look. I I would bet only second to David Silverman is he the most important artist who worked on The Simpsons. I'd say, say, yeah. Yeah. So Bird worked on the series up into season eight on his two to three days a week thing while still also trying to sell movies for pretty much all of the 90s. And then in 1997, Warner Animation finally hired him to direct a movie called The Iron Giant. And uh, so that's when Bird took that as his full-time job, left The Simpsons. And, you know, I think he leaves at the same time David Silverman leaves. And I think, you know, if you want to chart a downward trend in animation quality, not to say that the other artists didn't do a great job from season nine onward and they all worked very hard but if you want to chart a downward trend i do think brad bird and david silverman in particular leaving didn't help the show look good i think it's also uh this ties into it completely but i think it's also you need a hard-headed guy like brad bird to be like no we need to change this this stuff matters and if there's not someone up there that's respected that can fight Mm -hmm. a lot of things will slip through or they like you know the producer will be like yeah it's a cartoon who cares just put it on the air well yeah and i think you know the simpsons right Writers, they can be very dominant in things about The Simpsons and telling the story of The Simpsons. And so, you know, a script, if a script says a thing and uh, they give it to the director, you I think you're right. Not having a Brad Bird or a David Silverman there to be like, uh, this won't look good. Or how about we try this? Or, you know, why don't we rework it this way? If instead you just have a person go like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's just do it. Like, uh, that can also hurt the content too, for sure. But this is also, you know, uh, us guessing at the, uh, the behind the scenes on it. Anyway, Bird went on to do Iron Giant. After that, uh, he became one of the most like sought after anime and faint, well-known animation directors around. Uh, did The Incredibles in 2004. Moved on to live action with the very good Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. My mm. favorite Mission Impossible. Uh, did Tomorrowland, which I will never watch, I don't think, even if it's on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. Uh, Incredibles 2, which was totally all right, I think. It's uh, a real Toy Story 4 of a movie. <laughs> uh, mm, I think I'd say Toy Story 4 is a little better. I haven't I seen either, but I like the characters in Toy Story more, so I think mm. I would like that uh, a bit more. And I like Toy Story 4 definitely more. <laughs> Incredibles 2 felt just like another episode of The Incredibles. Yeah, which it's, and when you're like, this took 16 years to give us just the next episode of The Incredible Story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 4 at least like had some things happen. Toy Story mm. 4 did, you know? Oh, yeah. I, th- yeah. I mean, I'm sure The Incredibles is a quality movie. I haven't seen it in uh, almost 15 or 16 years, but I think the huge appeal of it, we forget, is like, oh, they made a movie about people. Yes. This is a movie about just with people in it. 
It was not about fish or bugs or toys. It's people, which was well, like they huge got, they novelty. Got the looks, they got the looks down. Yeah. yeah. Well, made it look good instead of awful like the baby from uh, Tin Soldier. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I can also say as a comic book superhero nerd, Incredibles in 2004 felt very special in showing superpowers and superhero action in a way that live action films to that point really hadn't. And, uh, you know, now... After we've had uh, 12 years of every superhero doing all the CG fights, not as special. It doesn't feel special. Turn it off. Yeah, yeah we kind of take it for granted. We kind of took it for granted a little, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the history of Brad Bird, the director of this episode. And uh, I think he's he is a big part of why this is the, the best episode of season one, for sure. The Simpsons will be right back. Springfield's favorite funny man, a criminal. Hand over all your money in a paper bag. Ah! Homer holds a missing clue. Which one is the robber? If only he can find it. Well, if the crime is making me laugh, they're all guilty. Send in the clown. Say it ain't so, Krusty. My client has no comment. Because Krusty's on trial. I plead guilty, Your Honor. I'm not guilty. The Simpsons. Tonight at 7, followed by Coach at 7.30 on Fox 29. Hope you guys are enjoying this week's podcast, perhaps with a little spritz of seltzer. And we have a big thank you to our guest this week, Casey Green. Always awesome to have him on. His cartooning expertise, very helpful in such a wonderfully drawn episode as this one. Please follow him on Twitter and all of the cool stuff he does. And if you'd like to support this podcast and get every episode a week ahead of time and ad-free, you can hear next week's episode right now. You should sign up at Patreon at patreon.com slash talkingsimps. The Talking Simpsons Network Patreon includes early access to Talking Simpsons podcasts, as well as our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, as well as many exclusives, including some interviews with folks who have animated or written for The Simpsons as early as the first shorts. Plus, a bunch of exclusive miniseries you can only hear if you're $5 and a Patreon supporter. And that includes our currently unfurling Talking Mission Hill, where we're going through every single episode of the very underrated, awesome series by Simpsons executive producers Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. It's a ton of fun. And you can only hear that and all of our previous miniseries about Futurama, the critic, King of the Hill, at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. So please... Sign up today. But if you want something as fancy as a Cole Porter song, then you should sign up at the $10 level for all that $5 stuff I just talked about and our monthly premium podcast that's only for $10 and up, folks. The What a Cartoon Movie Podcast. Me and Bob talk about a different animated feature film, often for up to four hours just for our $10 and up subscribers. Our most recent one, The Loop on the Third film, The Castle of Cogliostro, coming in May, Toy Story 2, and you could hear a ton of other ones if you sign up now. That includes... 
Over 60 hours of movie podcasts only for $10 and up subscribers. The Iron Giant, Brad Bird directed that one. Akira, Kiki's Delivery Service. The Animatrix. The first Toy Story, Nightmare Before Christmas. Tons and tons and tons more. A goofy movie that just turned 25 and we talked for four hours about that. You want to hear all of those and you only can get the full back catalog and every new one if you sign up at the $10 a month level. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Uh, but I guess why don't we start up in the episode proper now. Uh, and I do want to give a special thanks to uh, a, a great resource as usual. That guy, 3002 uh, on Twitter. We got to find out his real identity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> about two years ago, that guy did one of his gr- deep dives into the table draft script. He's got this. like all of them. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and so uh, a number of times in this, as we get to it, where there are changes, I will remark them. And that guy. 3002 on Twitter. He is the source and everybody should follow that uh, that guy for uh, to stay in the loop for sure. The episode begins uh, as Brad Bird proudly points out on the commentary. Each act begins with either a shot of Krusty's face or Bob's face to give a sense of the key figures of the plot and where the arc is going of the story. It's, uh, it's a very artsy fartsy move and that's the kind of thing of like him knowing the language of cinema and expressing it in ways that like other directors weren't getting away with at least on the simpsons then him uh jumping through that paper sheet with his face on it it was a very you know clown show sort of uh device but also uh i never got that as a, a thing in real life like mm. like what is the appeal of that trick or that uh <laughs> that surprise i mean if someone holds up i mean we saw it all the time like uh, growing up at pep rallies like yeah you're putting up the big paper banner of course they're gonna run through it <laughs> is it I, the anticipation i guess it's fun to hear it rip i it's guess like uh, ah the sound pop you know yeah, there's a general excitement of uh, something being destroyed. You should come out of a drum, <laughs> is what I'm saying. It's more yeah. fun. It's also funny, they never gave, like, they, they give Itchy and Scratchy a theme song, but they never really gave Krusty a theme song. It's like an instrumental, but there's yeah. no, like, yeah. That's how it goes. But also, this episode begins with Krusty telling the audience thing that he would never say after this episode, which is too bad, because this is really funny. Hey, kids! Who do you love? Happy! How much do you love me? With all our hearts! What would you do if I went off the air? We kill ourselves! <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Psycho like, Bob? This is Brittany, and today's her birthday? Well, happy birthday, Brittany. How do you want to celebrate? Do you want me to sing your birthday song? Or do you want me to shoot Sideshow Bob out of a cannon? <laughs> the cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! Sorry, Sideshow Bob, but it's your special birthday wish! <laughs> do Sideshow Bob. I know we haven't had much luck shooting you out of this cannon, but maybe that's because we haven't used enough gunpowder. <laughs> Britney, do the honors. 
And then there's a loud explosion, which I cut out. And then Sideshow Bob dies, and then yeah. the episode ends. His famous hair burns <laughs> off. We never see it again. <laughs> yeah, it's very cartoony boxers when he falls. Yeah, in general, it's a very cartoony take. I like yeah. how he tumbles out of that cannon, though. It's yeah. great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did Cookie or Rusty Nails ever have a, uh, a Sideshow character, a, a sidekick of some oh, sort? Cookie was the Sideshow Bob, too. Oh. Uh, Bozo had Cookie as his sidekick, oh. and he also had some magician too but cookie was more of the sideshow bob though not not in the um weird pacific islander outfit <laughs> that he's given yeah i was gonna say that's the uh i guess that's the sort of character he is like we found him on this weird island in the pacific mm. and now he's our sideshow freak oh yeah and also as a uh you know a crate as a stupid native he can only speak with a slide whistle yeah. he doesn't know our human words <laughs> yeah, that seems so specific. The yeah. way they they have him and and Mel like that. In a way, it's a commentary on colonialism. I think. Yeah, I mean, Mel's got a bone in his hair, and yeah. the original Sideshow Bob had like a lay on the original design oh, of him. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's more of like a puka shell necklace or something he's got. Which I guess that's the extra comedy too of just like in a regional clown production, the grossness of uh, of a white guy being told to dress like a, yeah. a Hawaiian character. That's. Uh... I also I like hearing Bart say like you're doomed sideshow bob like that's a prophetic line for bart there <laughs> i love yeah. the design of sideshow bob so much because he is just uh, out of season one where there were fewer rules now you cannot design a simpsons character that looks like this but i just love how freakish he looks the bags under his eyes his crazy hair like i just and his triangle nose like yeah. his sharp severe nose yeah his long face and like tree outline body but with like a little pot belly too in the in the grainy style like yeah <laughs> yeah uh and obviously suicide is a a heavy topic and, and you know not to be joked about but i do like this joke quite a lot it's almost <laughs> like he's uh starting a jim jones death cult like yes! if, if your leader dies you kill yourself children yeah no i well i love to know in the reality the evil crusty is like how will i prevent myself from ever being yeah. canceled i have to have the children chant every time that they will kill themselves <laughs> if i'm off the air so no one will ever cancel my show i remember i was watching this in the late 90s probably a rerun in my room my mom was like in the bathroom getting ready or something and she heard that line she's like oh my god <laughs> she started laughing <laughs> i'm sure she watched this with me when it aired like 10 years before that mm. but she thought it was really funny and uh, i also really love there's so many great just like moments of animation this one of my favorites is the, shoving him yeah the snap yeah. of it he's just like well sorry sideshow bob but it's your special birthday he just shoves him <laughs> off screen <laughs> Uh, remember reading that Brad Bird liked to do certain uh, crusty bits. I don't mm. know if he ever did. I, he, he probably did like the heart attack bit. Oh, that's his. Yeah, that's entirely. I didn't know him. if he did anything else in between, like the shoving or anything. Or, he definitely or anything sideshow uh, Bob eventually did, like when he talked to Bart at the end or something. He's one of the credited borders on this episode too. And even if he didn't like border, lay it out. His opinion on what would be good definitely was there. But I think he mm. like yeah he he loves crusty like him. Krusty has like three dads. It's it's David Silverman, <laughs> Brad Bird, and Dan Castellaneta. And I think Bird and, and Silverman both saw so much in, in Castellaneta's performance of Krusty and that they made every word he says just have such a great like just pop of movement. Like, yeah. I think of uh, another of my favorites. I think this was a 
Silverman one, though. But uh, in the I Didn't Do It Boy episode, when uh, Krusty says, like the salivating dogs that you are, the little squeeze yeah. of his hand he does in that. Just and like, to... like pushing himself into the camera, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And his like finger movement. Like there's so many great poses they put on it that they when they hear Dan's voice, they're like, I have to draw such a funny <laughs> drawing. <laughs> Same with the, like I... his presentation of like gunpowder. Oh, <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah. And yeah. one of my favorite crusty bits that I'm pretty sure Bird did was was one of the Trios of Horrors where Bart had the uh, Twilight Zone child powers and made Krusty stay on 24 seven. Oh yeah. And he was just tired as shit. <laughs> yes. And I remember in the in the DVDs for that season, there was like boards of like just all the crusty poses that the bird did, and they look so good. I remember taking screenshots of them in like 2008 or something, just being like, I have to keep these. These are amazing. I have posted that uh, image of Krusty being very tired. And uh, sometimes during weeks when we record like 15 podcasts, yeah. I'm just like, uh, yeah. time for those over the counter wake up drugs. Uh, they, they have the real energy of a sub- seventh podcast feeling. <laughs> And yeah, this whole this whole opening of Krusty doing a traditional style clown show, it feels different now because like even in season two, they're like, oh no, Krusty's Johnny Carson. We uh, by yeah. season three, they fully are like, no, it's easy. This is just our Carson jokes. <laughs> But, uh, but here he is being a silly clown who talks to kids in the audience and celebrates their birthdays. And, and the way, like, you'd never see Krusty in even a season four episode go like, what's that, Brittany? Ooh. Yeah, he hates children. <laughs> yes, there's also that. <laughs> it's funny, the, the little moments of private Krusty are not the dark Krusty who, like, spits out a burger because, it, like, a little yeah. droplet goes down his throat or the, whatever. The joke here now is, like, uh, he's a real guy. Yeah, and he just comes home and has a drink, and uh, he gambles. He has vices, but he's a TV clown too. But he's not <laughs> cruel and hateful. I and I also love the posing of a crusty intros, itchy and scratchy to play, and he switches on the projector like an old TV clown would. And uh, I think that same exact staging is what they duplicate in like Father Like Clown when he's mm. like sobbing of like. Scratchy, throw the ball at the. That those have got to be Brad Bird. I think those uh, are drawings. Pretty yeah. Too. Oh yeah. yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. So this <laughs> is the first proper Itchy and Scratchy with a title and with a theme song. And so this is a very noisy season. One thing I noticed about rewatching this is that the and during the fight, 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 bite, bite, bite part where they're whacking each other, they include sound effects, oh, which is really bad. Yeah. And they got rid of those because <laughs> it's like yeah. clong 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 clong. Oh, there's so much sound effects yeah. in this. But yeah, that's uh, I I had forgotten gotten that intro that we've seen a million times it was directed by brad bird like it's from this episode i just love the blank stares as they march towards the camera and just hit each other yes. <laughs> and i think that was going to be uh the joke is that the violence was just crude and uh not clever because the cartoon that we see all that happens is itchy set scratchy on fire with an arrow <laughs> and they they soon lost that idea for the joke it's like no let's, let's actually write really clever uh violence gags instead of just making the joke like there's uninspired and just cruelty yeah future itchy and scratchies would be like let's start with a funny name to it and then uh, and then parody like uh, oh this is him in an italian restaurant or this is him when uh, the escalator rips off all of his fur or any of those things and and yeah you're right in this one it's just a fiery arrow is shot at scratchy and scratchy runs around <laughs> screaming on fire and he's in a hammock too uh, yes <laughs> i like that touch <laughs> yes this is really their first like fully formed appearance because they were in tv simpsons the final yeah. simpsons short uh and then they made an appearance
appearance in No Disgrace Like Home very briefly, but, uh, and I, I watched TV Simpsons again before this. There is like a screen that says the Itchy and Scratchy Show, but there's no intro and not the classic uh, scene here either. Yes, the, the first Itchy and Scratchy cartoon in the script, there was one extra gag of itchy pouring gasoline on the fiery scratchy <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh, yes we have a quick clip here of uh, marge reacting to itchy and scratchy kind of teasing a season two storyline we'd later get i think <laughs> what a senseless violence i don't understand its appeal we don't expect you to mom if cartoons were meant for adults they'd put them on in prime time <laughs> Yellow. Hello, homie. I was hoping you could pick up a half gallon of premium ice cream on your way home from work. Ooh, premium. Wait a minute. Why? Patty and Selma are coming over to show us slides from their trip to the Yucatan. No. Uh, anybody home? Ooh, I've got to go, Homer. My sisters are here. I like how Homer looks at the phone when yeah. Marge leaves. It's a funny little drawing. But... I'm, I really want us to get to uh, we, when we finally have Homer's console. He's like always in a yeah. different part of the plant answering the phone or when we cut to yeah. him. Instead of just being in the one room he's always in. Yeah, his, it, mainly he's like picking out glowing rocks most times we see him this season. And this is just him in a break room. But that should be his phone. Like, did it get patched through to him when Marge mm. called him? Uh, like, how did she know how to reach him in the break room? I, I a big wonder. Flaw. On this episode this. yeah uh, <laughs> you know i haven't played our boring conversation jingle in a while so let me play that well, let's define our terms gentlemen are we talking about redistricting or are we talking about reapportionment because yeah, that's good. Uh, but yeah, Patty and Selma, we've seen them before. So I think their debut appearance production-wise was trying to kill Bart. Yeah, um, and the yes, Telltale Head. Yeah, yeah. Telltale Head. That's and then, right. And then there was the Christmas special, and now there's this. And this is their main trait, which would carry through throughout the seasons. I don't think they've dropped it. I, I love this about them. It's like they're two uh, women, and clearly they uh, don't have any romantic pursuits or mm-hmm. dreams of a family, although they'll explore that later. So all of this expendable income they have, they just go on trips. Trips and trips yeah. and trips. Uh, the, the you one- could just suck them out <laughs> that, that's one of my favorites let me bring back the big uh, bag of uh, oysters or yeah, whatever God, not oysters no. but like uh, uh the things they got from sulfur bay yeah, yeah. The crawdads yeah well just cleaning out all the shells, shells in yeah. general like great animation God, on like, that just suck them out i guess let's go back to teen scratchy real quick because uh one that joke about like if cartoons were meant for adults they put them on in prime time that feels like one of those jokes written before they realize how big simpsons was going to be and it, mm. it feels more like a joke about like obviously cartoons are going to fail in prime time and this is the last episode of the simpsons that'll ever air uh, but uh, if they like they're probably like this one won't even air like yeah, they'll, no they'll air four of these and then just give up <laughs> i guess yes yeah, since we have the itchy scratchy clip casey please yes. you you have special information on uh one of uh, the things that uh probably i think at least a little bit inspired itchy and scratchy Oh, I'm like, it's hard to say. There's nothing I've read that says, yes, Matt Groening was inspired by this old Italian comic called Squeak the Mouse by, uh, what's his name? Massimo Mattoli. Mm-hmm. Mattioli, if I'm saying that wrong. Apologies. As far as I can tell, they both, uh, it, Squeak the Mouse is, of course, a cat and mouse comic about a, a cat and mouse hurting each other. The comic goes into very gruesome and uh, even pornographic heights <laughs> as it goes because I... it, it, like, it really 
really pushes that boundaries. I did a Google image search for Squeak the Mouse, and uh, I my hair turned white. I think, <laughs> a couple of pictures yeah. I saw. It, it, it starts as this. This is a great book. It's but it's it's very much not for children. It starts as like a classic kind of like cartoon thing. Both of them are, are attacking, or the cat's chasing the mouse, and then the cat just it, the first chapters just sort of ends with the cat ripping the mouse's head off, throwing it against the wall eating his body and then just being done with it. The next chapter, he goes to like a sexy party with other cats where it's almost, and then it turns into like an exploitation horror movie where the mouse comes back as like a zombie esque thing and kills all the cats in gruesome ways as they all uh, do drugs and fuck each other. Wow. (laughs) Very under, very underground comics, Fritz, the cat type of stuff. Oh yeah. Even if Um, graining uh, wasn't inspired by it, I'm sure it comes from the same impulse. We all go through like in our twenties, like what if the things that we liked were fucked up? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They, they, they both kind of borrow from like the Tom and Jerry, uh, or MGM cartoon type of way. And they just, they're both cartoonists in their own right that just understand to push that create, like to, to understand how to push that stuff for, for humor. Itchy and scratchy is one way. Mm. Squeak the mouse is another <laughs> one. Well, and, and but, squeak the mouse was the eighties, right? Or uh, 70s? Uh, 80, 82 originally. Okay. It was brought over to American 84, but that's what I'm like. It, it's well, never said if, if graining actually knew about this or not, but he is, he was a, a very into comics and stuff. Oh, yeah. And whenever it was brought over to America, squeak the mouse, it was actually seized by the U S government on <laughs> charges of obscenity. Ooh. I didn't know I, one of the books, I have is the first edition that comes with like a sticker that says this copy of Squeak the Mouse is from a shipment of books seized by the U.S. Customs at JFK nice. in August 1st, 1985. Wow, things have yeah. things have really changed. Like there's where there was worse stuff than that on Newgrounds in like 2003. <laughs> well, 85, man, they they were like, hey, this is a kids' book, and then they see cats having a like a foursome or something <laughs> later on in the book. But it, it was after two days of testimony, the jury voted that it was not obscene oh man to be in that courtroom for the (laughs) squeak the mouse trial i would have been there no i looked i looked up exactly what it was they used the miller test on it i don't know if you've ever heard of this before i haven't heard this it's just it's a three-pronged test that sort of helps the u.s supreme court whether it can label stuff as uh obscene or not and the 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 way the Wikipedia has it is kind of you know legalese and stuff, but I think I if if I'm getting it right, the three tests are: does it make you horny? Hmm. <laughs> is it horny? Uh, does it show people doing it? And does it lack value? Mm-hmm. Love literary, artistic, political, or scientific value? Interesting. It it did not pass the la- or it did pass the last one, I guess. One of them it had value. That's okay. what people decided. <laughs> it, it does it does make people horny. It does show funny animals doing it, but. <laughs> and, uh... it, it, they were like, oh, no, this has value. And so because that was not satisfied as a condition, it was let go. All right. well, mm. well, yeah, I mean, the connection to this and like uh, Itchy and Scratchy, you know, it might be more tangential and definitely like, you know, Herman and Catnip, for example, probably an easier connection to make. But mm. I, I especially hearing this, you know, legal situation of it. And knowing that, you know, in the 80s, Mac Rating was, you know, a lefty uh, underground alternative comics guy. Yeah. I, I find it 
likely that he would have heard of it at the very least like yeah, yeah. that that that's all he- like speculation basically but like yeah like i have a comics journal uh from then uh with graining a uh, graining interview from like the f- like i guess after the first or second season of simpsons where mm. it was huge he doesn't mention it or anything but he is like he is knowledgeable about comics and underground stuff so i mean if you've heard he of, would have heard about yeah. this if you're being interviewed if you choose to be interviewed by gary groth you kind of know what <laughs> the underground comics is yeah but as far as i could find online uh, there's no like uh, confirmation from either party well if we ever uh, interview mac grading uh, I, I have another <laughs> question added to our very long list like we're gonna need him for like three hours at least i think yeah. <laughs> you know someday crossing those fingers it'll happen but uh but thank you though casey for, yeah. for your uh, knowledge on squeak the mouse here it's a wild book there was a sequel published in 92 that uh kind of flipped the script where the mouse was being victimized uh by the dead zombie cat mm. but uh it's it's good but i think the first one is like just like perfect in like a satire kind of way of of that kind of stuff mm. there is like a, a youtube i saw that just has like it's not a motion comic but it has like some music just to set the tone while it shows you panel by panel <laughs> and it's all mostly um silent too no no talking so that's a good way of checking it out if you're interested i would squeak the mouse on youtube but you probably can find used copies online they might be a little pricey but i'd I think it's worth it. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about premium ice cream now. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> I love that term. Ooh, uh, premium. premium premium ice cream. cream. Yeah. I why well, I, I think it was like late '80s, early '90s when you know the not just like Ben and Jerry's, but like you know uh, Briars or Edie's, like all these things. Are like this isn't just your like bucket of cheap ice cream you buy at the grocery store. This is <laughs> nice ice cream. Premium ice cream. Premium. What does that mean? Uh, well, I think lines. Like that of premium ice cream are the joke is that the Simpsons are so television addicted that they just use the commercial buzzwords. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or else they normally get like yeah the bucket of store brand ice cream that's like almost yeah. flavorless. <laughs> yeah, I think Marge is like no 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 get the real ice cream. Uh, they the they're coming over tonight. <laughs> It's also funny when Patty and Selma enter the room, Bart smacks his head the same way Homer does. Oh, like, yeah. There's like, there's three head smacks in this whole series. And it's in this lot. whole episode, I mean. And they are loud head smacks, too. <laughs> uh, and yes, eight carousels. Eight mm. carousels of, uh, that's a long night of uh, slideshows, which now we can all just do slideshows every day of every photo we take, but we don't sit around and watch slideshows anymore, you know? <laughs> just, like, uh, just like jokes about fruit cakes we have lost jokes about boring slideshows yeah <laughs> well i don't think i've ever been subjected to one in my life have y'all i have not no, no. i don't think so i, I none of my relatives in, invested in slideshow technology you know that <laughs> i uh, patty and selma they spent real money on their own projector like they're bringing the projector and the slides too like yeah. they could have brought a photo album and they just sit on the couch together but no this is a presentation like they <laughs> they take pride in showing off these trips which i guess is what we all do now just like anytime i'm on a trip i want to show off on twitter like yeah here i am oh, i went to yeah <laughs> and we're all patty and selma in a way <laughs> 
but uh, yeah, so then we head to the Quickie Mart. Uh, this is the third appearance of Apu in the series. He first appeared in Telltale Head, then had the like one-off scene in Homer's Night Out. This is his most major appearance, and I think it's definitely the first script they had where they knew he was an Indian immigrant. And he's called Apu. And the joke here, again, a joke that we forget to joke, is that uh, he's like, hello, steady customer. And Homer's like, hey, Apu. Like, <laughs> Homer comes there so often that they know each other, which yes. is odd to be on a first-name basis at, you know, at this point with the guy in your convenience store. Mm. But now, like we just had an episode where Apu lived with Homer <laughs> yeah. and got married at their house. So, uh, But yeah, I guess uh, it, it plugs into the gag of just Homer is a fat slob who eats convenience store food all the time, which they shout out on the commentary like, no, that was Sam Simon. He knew every 7-Eleven in mm-hmm. La- Los Angeles. He'd just go to them. And you should know the, the first name of your clerk. And uh, Triple Chocolate, also a joke that's no longer a joke. Mm. Uh, I went on Amazon. I'm like, how many things are uh, Triple Chocolate? Over 2,000 results for food (laughs) items. Triple Chocolate. Uh, What does that even mean? So they just they just put more chocolate in there. I so guess I believe the triple chocolate I knew, like uh, in the nineties, I would you know if I was gro- going to the grocery store with mommy, I yeah. would, um, if I saw a triple chocolate ice cream, I would ask for it in part because I did know it from the Simpsons. And my recollection was ice cream. So you have your base of chocolate ice cream. Then you basically add an extra like ribbon of chocolate syrup inside. And then a third thing, this chocolate like chocolate chips or like brownie bites oh, okay. or yeah. a third thing that is chocolate. That would be the triple types of chocolate. But this well, is at that a point joke. you'd call it like chocolate chocolate attack or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. just looked like regular chocolate ice cream. Death by like, chocolate. Just chocolate. Super avalanche. dark or whatever. Yeah. Super dark chocolate. <laughs> but in 1990, it was like, could you imagine? A triple chocolate. <laughs> the opulence. An <laughs> opulence of a triple of because there was double chocolate ice cream first there was so mm-hmm. uh the packing in of a triple chocolate like yeah it we we couldn't imagine the hedonism of a third chocolate but uh, <laughs> That's why they call it premium <laughs> uh and yeah yeah apu i mean he's just he's fitting a lot of the stereotypes and speech patterns of an immigrant running a uh a convenience store you know talked about it before but there's a little extra they give to apu in here that i actually do kind of like that mm. i wish they or at least it's an interesting extra wrinkle to him that I kind of wish they they stuck with. But uh, yes, Homer arrives and the clues begin. Chocolate. Ooh, double chocolate. <gasps> New flavor, triple chocolate. <laughs> Perhaps a little something for the trip back to the cash register. <laughs> What's the matter, sir? Never have I seen you look so unhappy while purchasing such a large quantity of ice cream. Well, the reason I look unhappy is that tonight I have to see a slideshow starring my wife's sisters. Or as I call them, the gruesome twosome. <laughs> oh. Ow, my foot, you lousy, stupid Sorry, lousy. pal. <laughs> <laughs> Hand over all your money in a paper bag. Yes, yes, I know that procedure for armed robbery. I do work in a convenience store, you know. <laughs> you can emerge now from my chips. The opportunity to prove yourself a hero is long gone. Oh. <laughs> I like his judgment on Homer. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's disgust. Oh, yeah, you so. could have saved me, but you, you dove into the chips. <laughs> 
<laughs> watching this Very again, watching this again for this podcast, I, I discovered two new clues, and this is one of them. Is like he he says, uh, "You lousy, stupid, clumsy." That's what he says to Bart at the end yeah. of the episode when his uh, when his foot gets hammered that's or whatever. Right. And that's that's that, why uh, that was one of my questions. Is like, is that Kelsey Grammer doing a fake crusty impression? Because so, that that line sounds like Kelsey doing a shitty. It, it is Kelsey saying, "Ow, my foot." That is yeah. Kelsey. But then it's Dan when he says, hand over all your money, which yeah. uh, if we were to dig into the realities of it is then I guess Sideshow Bob somehow has an incredibly convincing prosthetic crusty mask has perfected a crusty voice imitation. But when you step on his foot and take his focus away, he's surprised and he goes into his natural voice. Then when he resumes his composure and robs the quickie mart, then he uses his uh, his practiced crusty voice. He's a criminal mastermind. He really is. Not the best uh, plan. He never factored in like, what if I get arrested? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, they would arrest Krusty and that would be it. I I guess he was lucky there were no cops there right when he robbed the place. Yeah, he, he get he gets away with it there. I love his, uh, there's a great drawing of him like posing for just a second and looking around and then leaving. Like, I, I love that shot. I also like, yeah, all the clues are there. Like he's eating the burrito by the microwave. He's, he's reading a magazine that doesn't have a picture on the cover that shows it's the Springfield Review of Books as we learn later. The text is uh, very hard to read, but it's trying to say that on the cover. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some tough text on uh, some covers in here. <laughs> and yes, uh, at the time of this recording, uh, some weeks ago when you're listening to this, uh, Casey, you screenshotted one specific shot in this that looks amazing and that has led <laughs> to some to, to be inspiration to many an artist on Twitter. Yeah, I sort of took this from my friends Tom and Sarah McHenry because they were doing a, uh, a dud, what they call a dud stream where they stream some Simpsons and then they pause it and everyone who's on there uh, draws whatever's on the uh, whatever they paused on. I uh, I just paused on his scream when he first noticed Krusty uh, gun right before it goes to the gun and just Homer's mouth, his big eyes. <laughs> and that whole area was just like, that's a really good pose. And I don't, I used to like screenshot and post all that stuff a lot in early Twitter days, but it was just like, you know, we're all, we're all in quarantine. We're all bored. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. I capped it and said, draw this. And it just went off. Like people yeah. started to draw it. <laughs> and there's a big thread on Twitter that's probably might still be going as of this. Uh, I mean, this is a day later or when we were <laughs> when we were recording. But um, it's uh, yeah, it just went it went off with a lot of good interpretations of that scene. Yeah, I'm going to I'll link to it in the description of this episode, folks, so you can check out all the amazing drawings, including your own. Uh, Casey, I really love the uh, Homer's head got bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah, I like there's, the one a, there's something about his mouth, uh, the, 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 his maw shape when he screams <laughs> that is so hard to figure out like i couldn't get it and just crusty's very subtle like or sideshow bob's subtle uh, uh grimace at back at homer that is like that is the stuff that i'm like okay yeah that is missing from since brad and david left <laughs> my favorite one that someone did was uh homer is like a wave in the ocean and crusty's rowing away from him in a little boat <laughs> yeah. yes yes because like yeah because the tongue is so wave-like whenever it screams. I always think about that when I draw like a screaming tongue or see that. No, that was um that was Hannah. 
I believe it's her name. Okay. She, she's she's a great artist. Nice work, Hannah. Uh, and uh, Homer dives into that ship display like it's a Looney Tunes black hole. Yeah. He just disappears into it. <laughs> You're right. It should just uh, expo- it's just a cardboard standee. He's a big guy. It should just explode with yeah, chips and or cardboard. Fall over, yeah. But it's it's more like it's uh, the giant bush he trans uh, it, it vanishes into in the, <laughs> the classic scene. Like uh, I, I want to get that right. It was Hanny. Hanny. I mean, uh, oh. she she was the one who did the the Homer wave. Awesome. Uh, Honey rolls, saffron scarf on Twitter. And uh, this is the start of the Apu gag that uh, he is highly accustomed to robberies and pretty blase about it. Like he's, this would grow into him being shot several times, like seen uh, a snake tying him up and to the point that he like literally gets shot in the chest, defending James Woods of all people. Like mm. uh, don't take a bullet for that. Yeah. Guy. yeah. <laughs> but, but <laughs> we, we need him know. to play Hades in Kingdom Hearts three. Uh, that's true. You know, if uh, it just wouldn't be the same without, without him. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you wonder what this is kind of based on like definitely there were celebrities who had done bad things even in the late 80s when this was being written so i mean like for example in 1989 former different stroke star todd bridges was on trial for murder that's exactly what i thought yeah. this was a parody of like the joke was because this was in the zeitgeist mm. the joke is what if the adult from a kid show was the one getting in trouble but just mm. the idea of a celebrity involved in gun violence was just a very fresh topic yeah though you know the security camera thing of like a date of a of a robbery done by a famous person it feels more like patty hearst you know as, yeah. as well if if we're talking about things that they would have known of in 1990 when this aired uh though just a year after this episode aired todd bridge's co-star dana plato would rob a video store oh, on yeah, camera in, right. the, in the same way r.i.p mm-hmm. dana plato they they those uh they had a rough time those kids r.i.p video stores yeah i miss those i, I worked <laughs> it too i miss them i don't miss my uh cruel boss but i do miss that video store yeah. <laughs> but in Todd Bridges, I also didn't know that like his trial was for many people where they first learned of Johnny Cochran. He was defended oh, by Johnny Cochran okay. and, mm. and he got him off there too. You know, like he's uh, the, the rap sheet that Todd Bridges had was that he was accused of killing someone in a crack den. Like he, he had been going to this, uh, this place to uh, get drugs and someone there was shot to death when the cop said he was there, but uh, Cochran was able to prove he wasn't there and he got got away with it mm. or well don't no no he's a free man i'm not saying top bridge has got away with it no no, no. Uh, sorry but, i say smell crack at home people where it's safe <laughs> you know but if you if you got if you just got the crack you want to smoke it right there you're uh, gonna drive all the way home and you had the crack in on hand like just go through a drive-through crack then <laughs> but i'll save uh, this after dinner <laughs> then it cuts back to the slideshow which is boring everybody there's uh in the original script there's only one joke the big joke that got changed which was them saying like and here's a donkey painted to look like a zebra mm. on the commentary they said that there was they had put in a joke in the script as they recall of them being like tricked into being drug mules like that kind of joke about uh <laughs> the, the easy joke you do when you do uh 
tourists in Mexico joke, but uh, it's not in the at least in the table draft script mm. that that guy was going through. He didn't note it as being maybe it was there. just pitched or something. Maybe, maybe. But I like the idea of them like just still taking pictures of of like and here's a secret briefcase we had to bring over. <laughs> if that uh, would be the joke. Uh, but yes, the uh, the slideshow continues as Homer talks to a stenographer. This is our tour group. Mm-hmm. This is a Mexican delicacy called a taco platter. Mm, delicious. <laughs> this is Selma taking a siesta. Hi, caramba. And he had a big nose. No, bigger. A big red hair that came out to... Yeah, yeah, like that. Well, it is a simple charcoal rendering, but uh, is this the man? Yeah. It's a guy from TV. My kid's hero. Cruddy, crummy, crusty the clown. And uh, another cut from the script that was noted there is that there was in the script, Apu had a line of just like, uh, I came to America and this is what I get. Like, oh. uh, so that, the, that is cut, but you do see Apu like with his arms crossed angrily in the background. So he's he's not happy about it. Honestly, this makes me want to pitch a story of Apu versus Sideshow Bob and uh, Apu gets his revenge on Sideshow yeah, Bob. Yeah, the, the Apu story is lost, although I do think he becomes a local celebrity yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. In Gun Week or whatever. <laughs> I was going to wait for that because I like that cover. And uh, in the script, too, Homer says red hair. So that mi- mix up was there in the script and in the recording, and it never changed. So oh, Homer describing wow. Krusty with red hair instead I guess of blue I, or green. I just didn't pay attention to that. That's weird. So maybe they didn't know what the character design was going to be yet. Uh, but he'd been in the shorts, though. They, mm. I think it was just carelessness. Like He's they, a blue haired goon. <laughs> he was too scared of that gun <laughs> he's he's misremembering or this is letting us know that homer is colorblind and he, he uh, can't tell the difference between red and green that's why he's bad at his job <laughs> uh so then we cut to crusty's home and i think the joke here is how fast the uh the they arrest him like it's just the same night they get to his house crusty is also a victim of swatting one of the earliest victims <laughs> of that <laughs> I love. I feel like I feel like his his uh, pause with the seltzer feels like it's a anti joke because mm. like clowns and seltzer is always a big problem. Oh yeah, yeah. He's gonna pour... he just stops there for a second, like something's gonna happen, and just goes squirt. And, and he's gonna it. spray seltzer everywhere, but he says like Sit there, one yeah. little spritz. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I love just like the. Giant gun coming down at his head. Oh my god, that drawing <laughs> yeah. is crazy. Yeah. They're really getting away with something ever. This gun, this massive like double magnum pointed at his, his a clown's forehead on on national television. Yeah, like who is who's carrying that? Like Jesus. <laughs> and uh, I think the extra joke of his arrest too is that like uh, this is how never how the cops would treat a rich and famous person either. No. Even <laughs> even in 1990, I think that was the the intended joke. Also, Wiggum is there to arrest him uh which is i think the first time wiggum has seen outside of like a press conference in the show i feel like he wanted to be there for an, a major arrest and get all the glory although he doesn't go to arrest side Bob at the end like, yeah get off get off boys <laughs> Uh, Wiggum is quite swarthy in this episode he's very tan and has his black hair instead Krusty gets arrested uh, and Homer is asked to identify him as well in a lineup of clowns which it's a funny gag but I think it goes on like 20 seconds too long though Homer's uncontrollable laughter at seeing clowns is is funny for how long it lasts just the mere sight of a clown is hilarious (laughs) to Homer And Wiggum says, send in the clowns, a reference to the classic Sondheim song. Mm. 
which it, the lines of it are not the lines Krusty sings in the Krusty Comeback Special. Uh, the Send in the Clown song, as we all know, we all know the lyrics now because they were sung in the movie Joker. Mm. And, uh, I don't know. Neither of you guys have seen Joker? No, I, I have. But uh, I, didn't, I don't remember when he did that. Uh, before those rich jerks beat up uh, the Joker, they uh-huh. sing to him Send in the Clowns. Like, uh, isn't this okay. rich? <laughs> Aren't we a pair? You know, Henry, I don't find the concept of crime comical in any way, <laughs> so I can't connect with this jokey man. The joking uh, man. The, what what I love about that scene, and many people made this joke, but that a bunch of straight white stock brokers mm. on a subway know all the words to send in the clowns. Like, I don't, I don't believe it. They're just there for... They're there for him. Maybe yeah. they maybe they were part of his delusion. Spoilers. Uh, well, yeah, that's well. Then every moment in the movies is just like, is it all fake? Like, what even is real in this Jokerified world? <laughs> There's got to be so many fan theories about the Joker. Uh, I, or I, Joker. I, yeah, j- just Joker. We all joke the him up, man. Jokester. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, Homer correctly identifies Krusty. And I think, you know, from a plot standpoint, this early on, they especially want to go like, we have to keep the Simpsons involved in this story. So having Homer be the key witness directly connects it to Krusty, which is also funny because, you know, as we all know, the original plan was that Krusty looks just like Homer yeah, because he was going to be Bart's hero. And Bart doesn't realize that all his heroes look just like his dad and he hates his dad. Like, uh, that's why Krusty looks so similar. Though even in this episode, they're giving Krusty the bags under his eyes and a yeah. different colored muzzle as well to uh, to make him at least slightly different from Although Homer. Marge claimed that Bart idolizes Homer uh, in the previous yes, episode. That bullshit. You can just ignore that. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's Marge's own delusion. Uh, but yes, Homer gets home just as the news breaks. Thus concludes our Mexican odyssey. Hmm. Very <laughs> thorough. I'm home, everybody. <laughs> Goody gumdrop. You missed the whole slideshow, Homer. Oh, fantastic. Marge, <laughs> you're never going to believe what happened. I was down at the Quickie Mart minding my own business when... Ooh, 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 the news! Springfield, number one news team with our Emmy Award-winning anchorman, Kent Brockman. Good evening. I'm Scott Christian. Kent Brockman is off tonight. Mm-hmm. Why did the clown cross the road? To rob a quickie mark. The news story behind that enigmatic half joke right after this commercial message. <laughs> It's very, I like that dry joke. Yeah, he's a joke about a joke. I think he's mad at the writer. Like, Ah. he's like, uh, whoever wrote this sucks. (laughs) I like those throwaway lines. Like, even Mm -hmm. sending the clowns when when Wiggum said that was just like a quick, like, yeah, bring bring the clowns in. But it it is a joke. (laughs) And when he calls it an enigmatic half joke and everything, just uh, move on. I I like uh, that Marge is nice about the eight, eight carousels at first, but even by the end of it, she's like, that was very. Thorough. Being polite about it. Yeah. And I How guess, did they get and then develop the picture of them getting pictures developed? <laughs> I guess they had a second camera and that was the last photo on the second camera. And, and then they gave the yeah. second roll of film after that. I like the photo of their mailbox. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, have your mail held, ladies. Yeah. Well, that shows they don't have any friends either to get yeah. their mail. I mean, the post office will hold your mail. Yeah. Though, as we all know, later... Patty and Selma live in an apartment complex, so they wouldn't have a mailbox. That's box true. Like that. Yeah. And then we find out that uh, Krusty apparently is not on Channel 6. Uh, yeah. Hobo Hank is at this point. <laughs> I guess I in the... I am. Well, so in the future, Kent will be on, 
on Channel 5 News, right? No, or he's Channel 6. Always. Yeah. Okay. So then yeah. Hobo, Channel Ocho. <laughs> so then Cha- uh, Hobo Hank must have been fired and Krusty moved over to Channel 6 mm-hmm. at some point then. I want to hear more about this Hobo Hank, man. Uh, but <laughs> I also really like the funny drawing of Barton in his sombrero. That's Yeah, really he's uh, crestfallen in a sombrero. Uh, <laughs> and then and it keeps getting like the brim keeps getting smaller sometimes. Uh, yeah, they, there's in, in one of the views that he looks like just like a like a bowler hat, like <laughs> it's like, like a cowboy hat. Dog would wear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, the original planned running joke would be that when they would go to the new show that Kent Brockman would be announced for, he would be off and it would be Scott Christian. That would, that was the intended running joke. And I think they maybe do it twice. This, this being the first one. And uh, yeah, this is the first appearance of Scott Christian as well as Ken Brockman, though we'll get to him later. But Scott Christian like barely appears in the show after season three or so. Like, I, yeah, I was going to say, like, I remember that was being the joke of Kent was never there, mm-hmm. but I don't remember Scott anywhere else. He's got a nice, like, 70s newscaster haircut. Oh, I love his haircut. Yeah, I think the last clear time I can remember Scott Christian was at uh, Beat Up Waiter or Waitergate yeah. when uh, they need to throw to Kent on the scene. Scott Christian mm. was the one doing it. And his hair would be black uh, at future appearances, not yeah. like this reddish brown color. You know, his hair reminds me of one of the first looks Homer had with hair in Simpson and Delilah, like his very, his very molded 70s hair. Haircut. Hmm. Uh, oh wait, he also had. I'm looking at some screenshots. He had the laugh and a half segment. Oh right, yeah, laugh and a half. That's right. He throw after my two cents. Brockman throws to Scott Christensen's laugh and a half. That's right. And I think he also reports on the uh, on Amber Dempsey. Yeah, yeah. And also Miss Springfield wasting food. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. There's yeah. there's some great Scott Christian ones. I said Christensen earlier. I'm sorry. I I should be fired for that blunder. Uh, but yes, the news breaks. And uh, Homer, for just a moment, realizes, like, oh, crap, I shouldn't have my son watch this. But a little too late for that in this next clip. Wait a minute. Bart, you know that guy in your lunchbox? Oh, you mean Krusty the Clown? He's sort of a hero of yours, isn't he? Are you kidding? He's my idol. I've based my whole life on Krusty's teachings. So, uh, maybe you better run off to bed. Krusty the Clown is behind bars tonight after a daring twilight robbery of a local quickie mark. <gasps> Krusty! Oh, no! Earlier this evening, the Springfield SWAT team apprehended the TV clown who appears on a rival station opposite our own Emmy Award-winning Hobo Hank. <laughs> and just in, actual footage of the crime taken with a quickie mark security camera. Well, the reason I look unhappy is that tonight I have to see a slideshow starring my wife's sisters. Or as I call them, the gruesome twosome. <laughs> so... The truth comes out. And over all your money in a paper bag. <laughs> oh, Krusty, how could you? Yes, no, yes, it I looks very bad, honey. Who knows? Maybe it'll turn out he was innocent all along. Earth to Marge. Earth to Marge. I was there. The clown is G-I-L-L-T-Y. Homer, a new level of dumb on Homer yeah. there. But it's, I mean, normally when we see the surveillance footage, especially at the time, it'd just be like silent. But apparently like, Homer was mic'd up with a lav mic yeah. for the security <laughs> footage. <laughs> they had him come in and dub his uh, yeah. his footage. <laughs> in, in general, That's a very Fred Flintstone kind <laughs> uh, of like, O-W-T out. You know, the uh, way yeah. you yeah. something. 
Yeah, like they. I'm so glad they lose this with Homer because season one is full of like uh, the Leaning Tower of Pizza and like mm. things like that. Yeah. <laughs> also, just the sound mixing choice of like you you could hear it there. There's a Duff Beer commercial on TV. It could just be silent, but they're like, well, no, the TV's on, so you got to hear the commercial. In you the need background. a distracting commercial. We saw in Homer's Odyssey. Yeah, and, <laughs> and same with like you should just be hearing Marge and Bart's exchange there, but they're like, no, the audio's playing on the TV. So you're going to hear all the Apu lines from before. And uh, it gets really distracting. Yeah, I, I do like, though, in this report, yes, that Scott Christian in his reporting on this is just like, you know what? It's time to let people know that Hobo Hank's better anyway. Yeah, I he sticks in an ad. like Emmy Award winning Hobo Hank and not a criminal. <laughs> uh, I, I like Patty and Selma how offended they are. of just like, the truth comes out. But I think the, uh, the gag in there that I'm not doesn't make sense after many episodes later because, you know, in future episodes where used to homer just being directly cruel to patty and selma and just calling them like pigs like literal pigs to their faces i think though up to this point in season one like say in the christmas special homer's like hello patty what selma what like he's pretending to be nice and like them so this is the first time they've heard him be actually mean about them and that's why they go like the truth comes out like yeah i mean probably the next one they Mm -hmm. see patty and selma and they're just they're back to their usual uh, antics mm-hmm. against each other. And uh, yes, Bart is heart- heartbroken in the script. It calls on Bart to be wearing crusty PJs, but I'm really glad they didn't go to all that trouble of drawing all the extra crusties on Bart's outfit as he sleeps. Uh, <laughs> he's in his standard PJ look. I mean, it's, it's nighttime, but I would imagine these are Bart's normal lime green PJs. Uh, but yes, Bart is, is heartbroken as he stares at his crusty doll. Thanks, Krusty. Buy my cereal. <laughs> Buy my cereal. <laughs> I didn't do it. Well, I wish I could believe you. <laughs> I like how they're building in that uh, Krusty is bad for children. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> is, should, they shouldn't be watching him. And he's just a shill for his own products. A toy that says buy my cereal is so great that your parents spend money on a toy and then the toy is still advertising to you. I love that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's Richard Gibb insult time, but that uh, that music, mm. it's just, it's like sad circus music. Oh, just, yeah. people, are, people are crying at the circus and we need yeah. to hear it. I, I, it's, it's so on the nose. I, I don't like it. There's some real uh, Gibb stings in this one. The oh, <laughs> yeah. Coming up later during the reveal, I hate them. Uh, we got one more episode of this freak. <laughs> uh, then it's Alf time, baby. Uh, also, I, I looked up uh, at least on eBay. You know, crusty dolls. You can't buy. So you can buy stuffed crusty dolls that look like this. But none of them are wind up. I couldn't find one that was wind up except for, uh, and they're pretty valuable, like 50 bucks. You can get a version of the evil Krusty doll from Treehouse of Horror. Oh, okay. Who, but he doesn't, on your shelf, he doesn't look like a regular Krusty because he does have these sharp pointy teeth of does, evil Krusty. Does he have the good evil switch on the back? He better. Uh, there's a switch on his back. I can't recall if it is marked as good or evil. It has but. to be or else they need to, you know, recall that item. I'm not paying 50 bucks if it doesn't say say good and evil on a switch <laughs> now. but so uh, i mean i honestly am quite tempted to buy that evil crusty doll because he does come with a string attached to uh 
And uh, you can also get a stuffed Bart doll dressed in crusty memorabilia. That also came up in my eBay search. Uh, that is very esoteric. <laughs> <laughs> Bart is giving up. He's so sad. It's uh, And then we begin Act 2 with a new close-up on Krusty. Bars smashing over his face, which uh, is a direct reference to how most episodes of the BBC series The Prisoner ended. Like, an episode of The Prisoner, I looked up a clip of it just to be totally sure. I, I had forgotten. But a episode of the prisoner would end usually with him be failing and being told you'll never leave this island prisoner and then it would be a zoom in on his face and then bars just slam over it hmm. so uh it's a direct prisoner reference there and the first kent brockman right yeah let's talk about yes, it uh, modeled after local la anchor hal fishman mm-hmm. who was still alive uh, he once had the longest record for longest tenure as a tv broadcaster <laughs> from 1960 to 2007 his death whoa whoa yeah wow that's that is the mr show no more news exactly yeah (laughs) yeah it's like no we need to let these people retire uh they they also mentioned jerry dumphy and other ones but i think it's more if you look at pictures of both of them the two la anchors i think it's more fishman than dumphy yeah though i uh, oh okay (laughs) I, i was just looking up and they have like an older picture of him on wiki and i'm like he looks doesn't well can't doesn't have glasses his hair's very tiny and now i'm seeing older pictures where his hair's more big and i'm like all right i see where they're getting i guess i I never imagined an age on brockman but with him having that white hair and also in a later episode they do show that he was like working in the 60s like i think brockman is supposed to be read as like in his 60s or 70s yeah yeah though uh no now i think you're more to expect he's in his late 50s especially well he has a young daughter but but i mean he he remarried that young weather lady so he can have a young daughter like uh, i see middle 50s when i see kent <laughs> but yes the the classic first appearance of kent brockman i mean he's one of the best characters on the show harry shearer's performance of him love the little wrinkles every showrunner gave to kent like especially david Murphy's oh, yeah. uh making him like uh, a right-wing crank who, <laughs> who screams like it's in revelations people and constantly editorializing the news yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, should they crack their heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, yes sir, they I should. Would. <laughs> Uh, but yes, even the title of the episode is behind Kent there. It says Krusty gets busted on the on the graphic there. Uh, but yes, let's hear our first scene with Kent Brockman, a.k.a. Kenny Brocklestein. Good evening again, Springfield. Krusty the Clown, the beloved idol of countless tots. Now nothing more than a common alleged criminal. Hmm. His trial, which begins tomorrow, has taken center ring in a national media circus as children of all ages from 8 to 80 Hang on each new development like so many Romanian trapeze artists. From his humble beginnings as a street mime in Tupelo, Mississippi, Krusty clowned his way to the top of a personal mini-empire with dozens of endorsements, including his own line of pork products. This may have led to one of television's best-loved bloopers, Krusty's near-fatal on-the-air heart attack in 1986. Wasn't that a great itchy and scratchy cartoon, kids? Well, we've got another one coming right up, but first... I got a hankering for some pork products. Mmm, look. Plump, succulent sausage, honey-smoked bacon, and glistening, sizzling... Oh boy. Listening uh, sizzling. <laughs> you gotta listen uh, to that pork pop and sizzle. Yeah, God. The uh, uh man, uh, 
I love every every second of that. I Brad Bird had a rule for everything he directed that he would dr- animate one scene of everything he directed, like do the full animation on it that would normally be left at a you know lower level job than a director would do. He stopped doing that when he got into 3D films because he doesn't know how to animate on that level or not in that way. But uh, yeah, every pose on Krusty, his insa- insane drawings for him in that heart attack. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and that's also a clue because uh, the kids saw it. They wrote him a get well card so they know he has a pacemaker. Right. Yeah. yeah. How Kent Brockman laughs at it and just like calls it an on-air blooper instead of like, this is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. You almost watched a man die. <laughs> and there's another clue in this that I think I might have noticed for the first time. Apologies if I said it way back and when we did this originally, but it's so hard to see. It's another example of like they didn't get props right all the time. And in that little segment, it's like Krusty wanted to stamp out illiteracy. He's holding the book upside down. Oh, you have I to like that. smash your face into the TV you're watching it on. You could see it's the catcher in the rye, but the font is like pencil width. It's like uh, like someone drew on the cover of the book with a pencil. So that's a clue that Krusty can't read because the book is being held upside down when he's showing oh, it off to the camera. That's such a great yeah. man. I wish that had come uh. through in the animation. Oh, that's too bad. I. Uh, also, as Kent begins his story, there's flashes of news covers, including like Timely and News Weekly. I like that News Weekly says like rhymes with dastard, like <laughs> and clown stopper. Clown has oh. two ends, and that confused yeah. me. Was, was <laughs> I that wanted co- to bring that up. Yeah, That's I think it's just a, a goof the about clown <laughs> stopper. Who, who doesn't uh, know how to spell clown? Well, I like actually in this scene, like the gun Apu is holding is like pointed right at Kent Brockman's head in that shot. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I, that's something I kind of wish they do like a couple jokes with that, that Apu's response to being robbed is that he now wants to be a hev- heavily armed at all times and is like on a hair trigger with shooting somebody like and that Apu would find a new life as a gun nut. He's like, oh, you're you're now going to be on the cover of Gun Magazine showing off how much you love guns and you wish you'd had a gun to stop this robbery. Seeing such a sinister Apu holding a giant magnum yeah it, it feel, i feel so it makes me sad sneering without his mustache he shaved yeah. for that cover oh, yes yeah i mm. put such an innocent character it makes me sad to see him that gun well doesn't he always keep kind of like an ankle holster gun like mm. in like in like normal apu ways oh well he keeps his price gun there yeah right? oh the, yeah yeah okay the, i got take, that mixed up then. Yeah. <laughs> i think apu's hindu beliefs make him non-violent mm-hmm He'll just he'll just take a bullet. <laughs> Though then again, when he joins Homer's vigilante squad, he does have like an army uniform. It's so. true. Uh, but uh, speaking of character histories, this whole thing of uh, Krusty being born in Tupelo, Mississippi, and uh, it kind of ex- uh, no mention of his Jewish upbringing, which I guess was a secret at the time. Yeah, and Kogan and Wolodarsky wrote this, and they also wrote like Father Like Clown, which was yeah. a big reveal of Krusty's Jewishness. And uh, was it still in Mississippi when he grew up? I, no, he's in Little Springfield. He's yeah. in the Jewish wow. <laughs> neighborhood of Springfield. Okay. I do believe the Tupelo thing is a Elvis reference because that is oh. where Elvis was born. So. And they make that honey that people sing about. <laughs> well, they do. I don't yeah. know. This. Sweeter than Tupelo honey. Just oh. like Honey from the Bee. It's that mm. song. I don't know that. Mm. And uh, we also get to see a shot of the endless parade of Krusty Merch where he is wearing his green shirt, which he did wear in the shorts, but. Mm. Now it makes me think about how they were making Bart merch at the time that had him in a green shirt. They love that lime green. And this is the most fired up I've ever seen Lovejoy. Like when he's like, oh, join me in a public burning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the animation on him is so good. But a quick triple bypass and a pacemaker later, Krusty bounced back. However, he was a changed clown. 
where his show had been condemned by parents and educators alike as simple-minded TV mayhem, this new Krusty devoted a small portion of every show to stamping out illiteracy in today's anything-for-a-thrill youth. Give a hoot, read a book. Krusty's arrest has sent shockwaves through Springfield, packing its churches, synagogues, and mosques with disillusioned citizenry from all walks of life. I urge every halfway decent member of our community to gather up all merchandise that bears the likeness of Krusty, that clown prince of corruption, and join me in a public burning! So, is Krusty the clown about to trade in his baggy pants for the relatively snug uniform of Springfield Penitentiary? We'll find out tomorrow when his trial begins. I enjoy Krusty's uh, really bad knockoff of Woodsy the Owls. Uh, yeah. <laughs> give a hoot, don't pollute. <laughs> I, it doesn't even rhyme. I just love yeah. how how uh, how subtle that joke is. It's like he's not an owl, so the pun doesn't make any sense. And also, <laughs> hoot doesn't rhyme with book. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> even though so they both good. have two O's in them. And and it uh, fits with later gags about Krusty being incredibly unoriginal and stealing bits from everybody. But that yeah, that he clearly just saw Woodsy the Owl on TV. He's like, I can say that too. Give a hoot, read a book. Like, I love Woodsy the Owl. Uh, he's uh, also uh, about this heart attack. I like to. They so clearly put it like 1986. It happened in 1986. I they'd never put a year on an on an event like that in in current day episodes. Uh, and it I thought also, it was I thought it was weird that uh, the feet, his feet being small, was a was a big plot point for Bart. But yet when he's in the hospital, he still has his fake rubber feet on. Oh, that's so true. they're really big uh-huh. in there. <laughs> Maybe they put the, they're like, well, okay, it's time for a camera. They, they put the makeup on him as well for that photo opportunity. So I guess that's true. Yeah. Let's, uh, as is reality in this episode, Krusty wears makeup. We are not yet at, uh, <laughs> and it's such a sad fade to him in his makeupless uh, outfit there. And they made a I, they made I a like, toy. I like human Krusty. He's so <laughs> so different, droopy. Yeah, they made a toy of this design, like oh, one, really? one of those like uh, were they McFarland? No, not McFarland. The the ones with the, the yellow Mecca? packaging. No, just like the ones the Playmates. I think they were okay. Like okay. The, the ubiquitous Simpsons toys. Like a thousand of them came out. The action figures. They yeah. had little chips in them. Whatever those. Were they made oh, okay. a crusty, uh, a busted crusty, uh, crusty bust loose? Oh, also, the uh, I'm looking that up that that triple bypass thing it, it sounds extreme then, but like in 2000, David Letterman got a quintuple bypass in his life saving surgery. Wow. Uh, also, a really good drawing I love is how the way Bob so relishes rubbing the pie in Krusty's face, and <laughs> it's so slow the way he pushes it in, and it shows a Krusty, like, this is probably the one time Sideshow Bob has ever gotten to do a joke on Krusty instead of the other way around. And Krusty can't take it and punches him in the face. <laughs> like, Bob should have quit that day. I don't know why he didn't. Like, that's assault. And it's on, it's on screen. It's on TV. Now it's comedy. Uh, the bo- busted Krusty figure is awesome. He comes with a gun and a, and a bag. A oh, bag of money. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, they are playmates. I mean, you've seen them if you have lived in the past I 20 years. I have several of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also like how they draw Bob uh, holding the bucket of books in the give a hoot shot there, too. And I guess Lovejoy calling for a public burning. Uh, that is a Beatles reference from when they did their Bigger Than Jesus thing and there were a destruction of Beatles memorabilia. I mean, that that's still in the mind of the boomers who wrote this. That that's obviously uh, one of the most memorable things that ever happened in their childhoods. But this is definitely the more um, energetic love joy than we've ever seen before. That's for sure. And uh, and also Krusty's prisoner number A113. Uh. <laughs> 
Yawn. Yeah, I went to CalArts. <laughs> Sorry, Casey. A quick diversion. Uh, have you guys seen Onward yet? Yes, I did. Bob did not. Now it's just it's forced into your home now. <laughs> <laughs> did you catch the A113 uh, reference? No, where at the was very it? End? I, oh, no, no. Where was that? It's It was so subtle, but I was mad that I heard it and was like, oh, son of a bitch. Because it wasn't like it wasn't like written anywhere. Uh, it was at the very end when the dad got a call or the stepdad got a call. It says, and someone says there's a 113 in progress. <gasps> oh, my God. I missed that. Wow. Um, the, uh, yeah. I hated that I uh, caught it. I was like, oh, fuck this movie. They should, just have, they should just have those letters and numbers dance across the screen. You know, it's like, okay, you did it. <laughs> the Fine. Pixar logo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, I get it. Cute. It's it like cute. it's like hearing a Wilhelm scream now. Just like, come <laughs> yeah. on. It, yeah. it was, by the way, it's the Cal Arts classroom. All these guys yes, yeah. worked it, out of. It's the Stanley cameo of Pixar films, really. Though I guess no, that's John Ratzenberger because he's in all of those things too. But, mm-hmm. uh, but hey, look, in 1990, we had not been inundated with A113 references. So it's not 1990 anymore. <laughs> I'm sick of those numbers and letters. Uh, also, in Do the Bart Man, when there's uh, you know a quick shot of Bart uh, in a perp photo, he also is holding up an a113 in it too that makes sense (laughs) Uh, so bird just reused it a second time like bird you know there's an argument to be made that pixar ripped off bird because bird put it in family dog as well Uh, he he was doing it before lassiter was doing it Uh, they've got school pride guys come on they just just bronze (laughs) that entire classroom All right, so Krusty with his removed makeup, as we all know later, it's set up that this ain't makeup. And in fact, when he pretends to be Rory B. Bellows, he actually is wearing makeup to have flesh-colored skin. Uh, But since we've recorded this episode the first time, they did an episode that had a bit of discontinuity that made me mad. Oh, yeah. In in April 2018, season 29's episode Fears of a Clown – the plot is that kids start being scared by scary clowns in the media and Krusty's show is canceled and they visit Krusty at home and he has taken off his makeup and clown suit and they do a joke about how similar he looks to Homer and they say, boy, whoever drew us is uncreative. They did a joke like that, but and it, I didn't like that joke, but I especially didn't like it. Like, do you guys think you're the first people to think of a joke for Krusty having no makeup? It's been addressed that he always has makeup on, but... I do like you that uh, the joke of him. Uh, this ain't makeup. Uh, just a throwaway joke that they retain his continuity is excellent. I yeah, love that. Yeah, and and just throwing it away for and for what a joke about how him and Homer look similar. We've had that joke for thirty years. Like that joke made me mad. It still makes me mad. I I looked up my tweet from April of twenty eighteen. <laughs> I was like, I'm still mad about this. Multiple tweets. Still furious. But yes. That's the story of, uh, that's the current history of Krusty and his, whether he wears makeup or not. They just don't care. Like, <laughs> like they're just like, no one watches those old things anymore or no one remembers this mid season, whatever. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. And I mean, they are, they're correct. Not everybody remembers every joke and it doesn't really matter to the show, but, but I still but think- also a show shouldn't exist like this for 30 years. <laughs> it's true. I'm, I'm yeah. going to get back on that soapbox. <laughs> uh, but, but I have the stance of like, if the show doesn't care, then why should I care about the show at all? Then if you can tell me that doesn't matter, why does this matter? Like, yeah, but I mean, uh, I am the nemesis of the writers of the show in this way, I suppose. <laughs> 
Uh, but they're so friendly. Yeah, they're all friendly. We love them. I'm I'm not your enemy. I'm your friend. I'll uh, be the enemy. Uh, so yes, we do. I have a little clip here of Krusty's perp walk, though. Hmm. Uh, what kind of gun did you use? Using a complex. We played in Saturday. Look at him. His clothes are so drab. His face is so flesh colored and sad. And his feet, they're so small. Say it ain't so, Krusty. <coughs> My client has no comment at this time. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a reference. Mm-hmm. Do we have that reference? I have it. Oh, no, The, the I know. Say It Ain't So thing? No, it is That's a, a reference to, uh, so there was a, this apocryphal story that when um, Shoeless Joe Jackson was tried in this giant cheating scandal for the World Series, mm. uh, there was this apocryphal story that after he was found guilty of cheating and I guess throwing the game, I forget what the story was, but he was coming down the courtroom steps and the little kid was like, say it ain't so, Joe, say it ain't so. And he's like, sorry, kid. And then he left. Wow. That wasn't the story. That oh. was a, a headline in the newspaper was say it ain't so, Joe. Okay. It was wrongly attributed to a story that never happened. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's what that's where the say it ain't so got popular. Yeah. And uh, the joke here is that Krusty can't say anything as lawyer talks for him. But <laughs> I do want to say that I think this is because uh, there was a movie in '88 called Eight Men Out. That was about that scandal. Yeah. And then Field of Dreams was out as they were developing this season. And Shoeless Joe Jackson was in that movie, too. So I figure they just had Shoeless Joe on their minds. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, yeah. I Yeah. It's the, the famous Black Sox scandal, as they call it. Yeah. Wow. I did not I did not know that. That's a, that was a good catch there. Yes. Yeah, so for all you fans of 1919 uh, World Series scandals, <laughs> that's for you. But yeah, that phrase, say it ain't so, uh, does come from that. It was such a uh, popular event in scandal. Did they ever bring up in the Bart Gets Famous episode uh, the fact that he just reuses Krusty's catchphrase during this no, time? No, no, they didn't. He'd, mm. he'd stop saying it by this point. He really only says it in this episode. And I yeah, think- I was say, because like, it was his big thing. I didn't do it. And then he <laughs> does that and everyone laughs at him. And that Bart has said, I didn't do it. No one saw me do it. You can't prove anything. That was on t-shirts and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he, he had said it in <laughs> Moaning Lisa. Yeah. So it was before this. Yeah, his his I didn't do it. He was the I didn't do it boy before Krusty. I, I like how it works as a plot point in this episode because Krusty just wants to state, I didn't do it. But because it's his famous catchphrase, nobody believes him. They're just like, you always said that, Krusty. We don't believe you. What a clown. <laughs> And we've got a, a proto Lionel Hutz here of bad lawyer, like Krusty hired a bad lawyer. But, uh, you know, this is before they befriended Phil Hartman. You know, he wouldn't make an appearance for a few weeks into season two. Don't don't talk to me about lawyers until Hutz gets here. <laughs> uh, I don't like this guy. <laughs> but, well, we've got to, we do have, though, Lionel Hutz's greatest enemy, <laughs> Judge Snyder. Oh, yes. He ran over his boy <laughs> <Yeah>. several times. <laughs> I, I did want to say, I did want to add, just look this up, that um, I wasn't sure if the I didn't do it was almost like an Urkel-style uh, parody uh. or, like, referencing Urkel. But, no, I was looking it up. The rise of Urkel happened as The Simpsons was exploding. Like, oh, Urkel was okay. rocketing to the moon as well. Urkel and Bart on the same level at one time in popularity. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, Judge Snyder, he's gone by other names too, but he's not black in this episode. He kind of ping pongs back and forth in the early seasons until he finally consistently drawn as an African-American character, though inspired by the not African-American Robert Bork, who was a, uh, 
conservative judge that Ronald Reagan tried to get on the Supreme Court, but uh, in the more innocent times of the late 80s was judged as too racist for it and didn't get to get on there, which, uh, uh, yeah. And he was replaced by Justice Kennedy, who is uh, still on the Supreme Court at the time of this uh, recording, and uh, he's uh, he's known as a swinging judge because uh, Kennedy goes <laughs> kind of every way. So I think uh, we're pretty lucky we got him instead of Robert Bork by comparison. Hey, Kennedy, Kennedy? Uh, well, I, you know, his, I don't know if he's in the Kennedy family. I've never looked into that. I just, I just know Justice Kennedy as a name, but, uh, curious. And, uh, yes, Bird, uh, Brad Bird also says, though, they got Robert, or they got Snyder's hair wrong overseas. They, they wanted it to look even more like Robert Bork's hair, but they, they could not. And the prosecuting attorney is based on Clarence Darrow, the, uh, attorney in the, uh, Scopes Monkey trial case. Yeah. 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 That, that's why he has such a specific hairline. That's, I, I would guess he seems to be for the city. So he was spring. Springfield's district attorney, he would make, uh, according to the wiki, only one other appearance, uh, and I remember it well, in Bart the Murderer, he's the oh. one going against Bart, and uh, he is the man told, denied by Snyder. <laughs> uh, and I guess that denial erased him from existence because he never appeared again. <laughs> he got owned too hard. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I do love that Krusty accidentally pleads guilty and then uh, corrects himself. Like uh, that, the, the he, he blames it on opening night jitters. That's a good line. Is that admissible? Like mm, he know. says that accidentally. Can they be like, all right, see ya? <laughs> Maybe I. Uh, I well, as a kid, I didn't even get that joke at seven. Like I think this was the first time I'd seen a mystery story or a. Um, a trial in fiction as a kid i'm pretty sure same for me yeah so i i didn't know all these you know things that happen in (laughs) all the rules of of uh, courtroom dramas there's some weird editing in this too like there's a side wipe uh from scene to scene like they rarely did that in the show it's better than the fades yeah, yeah, there's some crappy fades. In- I don't think there's any fades in this episode. I think they've, you're right, they've learned against their, their yeah. fades at this point. Outside of the end of Axe, <laughs> I think we, we stop with the fades. And uh, yes, uh, we also see that uh, Lou is doing bailiff duty as well because he pulls Bart away when Bart's trying to stop him from uh, yeah, white from testifying. Lou. Yeah, yeah, we're still on White Lou. We saw him. Yeah, White Lou, White Snyder. Yeah, where's Black Smithers? <laughs> he's he's yellow this whole episode. It's not even a one-off appearance because Lou appears in like other shots too. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, then we get to see the footage again, and we get to see Homer's dive into the chips from another angle. It's so funny looking. Uh, <laughs> On the commentary, it's funny, too, because I think Waladarski is just like, uh, oh, man, I want to see this chip dive. And every time he thinks it's coming, it's not there. Brad Bird's like, it's at the trial. I'm <laughs> telling you, it's at the trial. Wait for it. Homer has to watch the surveillance video uh, twice yeah. in this episode. <laughs> And they do a good, you know, Brad Bird, the extra mile him and his team went was they did pose out the scene so it could conceivably be seen from that angle. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really good. I did notice Quickie Mart is shaping up to be the one we know. It's yeah, looking a lot yeah. better than it did in uh, Telltale Head. Oh, yeah. This is pretty much the Quickie Mart as we know it. Or getting there. We I didn't see the nuke arcade machine when Homer walked in. But, uh, but yes, Homer dives into it and we also hear there they're called heavily salted snack treats like the term heavily salted and snack treats those are a real runner in the early seasons they they love that identifier and uh homer is told to point at who that was and there's a good little drama of him looking at bard and not knowing if he should and then 
doing it and then the attorney directly comments on how long it takes which is funny <laughs> I like that eventually pointed to uh, and uh, then it's time for us to rid ourselves of the memories of Krusty. These toys are just adorable. Who'd have guessed they were inspired by an insane criminal genius? But Dad, you're giving in to mob mentality. No, I'm not. I'm hopping on the bandwagon. Now, come on, son. Get with the winning team. Hey, right here, Krusty's Souvenirs. Buy them and burn them. Right in. Good people. <laughs> I'm so happy you're all here tonight. Uh, but please, just a few words of caution. Now, we are going to set this pile of evil ablaze. But because these are children's toys, the fire will spread quickly. So please stand back and try not to inhale the toxic fumes. Very good joke about flammable children stuff. But like, yeah, as we know, children's toys are deadly and will explode in flames. So please back away. They're toxic and flammable. And uh, I also like Homer's view on mob mentality. He's like, no, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. Let's get the join the winning team. Oh, Maggie had a, another pacifier at the ready as soon as Marge took her crusty one. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's very shorts as well, too. <laughs> and uh, there's uh, if you like funny drawings in this episode, Casey, you should. Uh, as Homer walks down the hallway with that wheelbarrow, there's a very wild looking drawing of Homer in vacation clothes. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I, saw, I was like, oh, there's a nice Lisa and Maggie. And then, whoa, what's up with that Homer? <laughs> you never see that kind of vacation photo in the background. And uh, I think Marge, you know, she's doing what uh, many of us have had to do with a lot of our memories when a celebrity is outed as a monster. You just got to you look at it and you're like, boy, I wish I'd known that about that person. Oh, well. And then you just trash it or you go like moving on, not talking about that movie anymore. Or like uh, <laughs> uh, this is on my mind because a very good documentary about it just came out. But I had this reaction with Chris Benoit when uh, mm. when uh, Chris Benoit murdered his family and killed himself, uh, the pro Wrestler. That made me just look at all of his stuff like, boy, when I was enjoying all of his matches, I was watching a murderer. Like, this sucks. I like, just threw away my Horace and Pete Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke for no one. Yeah. Also, that's that, a joke shows, for us. that shows awful. <laughs> yeah. oh. no. Everything he does it's is so awful. It's so nice we don't have to pretend like Horace and Pete is good. Yeah. Oh, it's so good, man. Uh, I don't have to pay for the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> Watch like one, two episodes and I'm, and and just, then the, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And no more having to read essays about how important it is like that. Uh, we're, we're free of that. Just, uh, we burned all of those just as we, we burned <laughs> these crusty memories. Finally, no more essays. <laughs> I, uh, I love that buy him and burn him guy too. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, that, uh, and also just how happy the mob is to do it too. Uh, so that guy, 3002, he also pointed out that in the script, they directly call out that like Mo Burns, Smithers, Marvin Monroe, they're all supposed to be in the crowd, but the crowd shot instead is just a bunch of randos. So, mm. so didn't uh, that did not come through. And uh, yes, then we go back to the courtroom, and Krusty has another shocking revelation for us. Krusty, would you please turn your attention to Exhibit B? Uh, Tell me what you see. Uh, um, which one do you mean? The one with the big B on it. Uh, uh. Uh, What's the matter? Can't you read? No, I can't. I can't read or write. I admit it. I'm totally illiterate. Now, are you happy? 
Can it be that the champion of child literacy can't even read himself? Is it a crime to be illiterate? All right, all right. See this, Krusty? This is a B, <laughs> and this is Exhibit B. Betting slips obtained by this court indicating you have lost substantial sums of money on sports gambling. Is it a crime to bet on sporting events? Yes, it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> News for Krusty there. Famous uh, animation, uh, animation on Big B. When that love guy that. Says it. Yeah. So good. Just the boom. And this uh, writer's room famously full of degenerate gamblers. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Betting on sports, which <laughs> yeah. is what uh, Lisa the Greek is all about. I, th- I think Jay and Wally are the most guilty of it. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, especially, specifically on football. I think they gamble on other things, but mainly Is that a football. boomer thing? Like, th- is there still gambling happening on, on TV writer rooms uh, everywhere in L.A. these days? Boy, I don't know. I, I don't know if the writers still gamble like that. I think, like, every game that we play on our phones is like a little mini casino that touches I, all the same like point, pleasure centers. <laughs> so uh, no, I remember I talked about at least the Greek, but my stepdad was part of a betting pool at his job, and I'd see the big spreadsheet all the time with like all the things written in. I didn't understand it. It was like a big exciting thing for him. And then one year I noticed, um, oh hey uh, hey, well you didn't bring home the betting thing. You're not talking about it anymore. What happened? He's like, oh yeah, the guy running, I got arrested. Oh wow. So uh, yeah, Oops. it was uh, not good for him. You, you know, I'm wondering if writers' room now are just so nerdy and also full of just non-football fans that that gambling doesn't happen. You know, that feels that feels like your dad's thing. Like if a, if a coworker came to me like, "Let's gamble on the World Series," I'd be like, "What? Well, uh, Do millennials gamble? Do Zoomers uh, gamble? Oh, I, I mean, you had it right with like the little arcade stuffs on your phone and just uh, people go to casinos for fun. Oh man, now. you go to Vegas, you're seeing a lot of young people there for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure, yep. you're seeing them. Yeah. I, yes, this establishment of Krusty being illiterate uh, or having trouble reading, I think it'd stick around until about season four, and then they pretty much drop it. Like, he, so. Krusty needs to read things for certain <laughs> plot events to happen. <laughs> and I think in one of the early flashback episodes, they show him reading a cue card. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's like or could, the Torah. He can read the Torah yeah. for, for his birth. I guess he could have, like, learned it phonetically, I suppose. Yeah, but, memorization, I guess, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's how a lot of Jewish kids do that, probably. <laughs> and I uh, also, I think the gasping crowd is taken from the gasping crowd of Homer's Odyssey. Like a couple of those people in the move back gasp. It looks looks very similar. I there think are they some do freaks. some animation there. I like to have the district attorney knows Krusty's looking a little too uh, sympathetic. So he's like, all right, all right, all right. What are these? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't this care. He's just like this. This is unrelated. <laughs> uh, then there's a, an all right dissolve to the next scene, not a, a at least a peppier one. And it's to show that time has passed because now the jury has already uh, got their verdict and Krusty is found guilty. And, oh, no. uh, and his lawyer runs off saying, like, I knew this happens to me every time. Like, a very Troy McClure kind of moment. Though I think Troy McClure had just been passed out drunk at that point. He'd run, he'd run away screaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Krusty is found guilty. He's he's off to jail. I'm glad we don't get any Krusty in jail scenes. They At the end of the episode, they allude to some of uh, their... The devils on their shoulders are telling them to make some prison rape jokes, and I'm really glad they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I think Macaroni must have uh, stomped that out. Yeah, which good. I mean, beyond you got, being... like one illusion that Homer said, like yeah. I've heard what goes on in prison, but that's uh, all. That's all. 
I mean, again, in the 90s, it seemed a very funny sexual assault in a prison. Well, how how hilarious. But uh, Against men. How funny. Yeah. Oh, boy. The, be- the funniest ideas. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm assuming that off screen somewhere, a TV executive said, well, we can't have this show without Krusty. Bob, you could sub in, right? And that's why Bob takes over the show. And uh, we come to a moment that feels normal now, but was entirely meant to make you just guffaw with laughter the second you hear it. Uh, back in 1990 and that was that the slide whistling sideshow bob puts it down and has the voice of fraser himself kelsey grammar my young friends for years i have been silent save for the crude glissandos of this primitive wind instrument but now destiny has thrust me into the center ring in the coming weeks you will notice some rather sweeping changes in our program please do not be alarmed itchy and scratchy We'll still have a home here, but we will also learn about nutrition, self-esteem, etiquette, and all the lively arts. What the hell are you doing, Lise? I'm watching Sideshow Bob. You know, he's a lot less patronizing than Krusty used to be. You backstabber, you traitor, you... Snap out of it, Bart. Face the facts. All those hours we spent staring at Krusty, we were staring at a crook. Look, Lisa, I know Krusty's innocent. Don't ask me why. It's just a feeling I have. Oh, Bart. Come on, Lisa. I think I can prove Krusty's innocent, but I need your help. You do? Why? Well, come on, Lisa, you know why. No, why? I'll never forgive you for making me say this, but... You're smarter than me. <laughs> so, are you with me? Yeah, man. The cr- crude crissandos is a favorite. Uh, Glissandos. Oh, gl- okay. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, dare you? You're mangling these musical terms, Henry, that I'm no so- one ever uses. I'm sorry. Was uh, he big on Cheers at this point? Oh, very big. Yeah, yeah. Cheers was one of the top rated programs, and he was such a successful character. Like, he was supposed to just be a one-off guest star, and everybody loved Frasier so much, he became a regular on the series. And Oh, yeah. Was- Tr- trust me. I, I know my Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> what I have, uh, what I have, iffy memories on is Cheers. I didn't like Cheers as much. Ah, Cheers is good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe i'll give it a try now that like you know we're all inside forever <laughs> it's weird we've all uh, forgotten but, about uh we've all forgotten about cheers we just know fraser now yeah, but cheers yeah. was like a bigger sitcom for sure oh yeah it had bigger ratings than fraser but that's just because to like network ratings have got, went down the entire time in, in, on average that fraser was on the air but yeah, yeah. I mean, Cheers' finale was one of the highest rated uh, programs of the 90s, you know? I watched it. Mm-hmm, me too. I tried watching it when I first moved here. I just, I just couldn't get into it, that's all. Give it a shot. And I, and, I, and I was way more just like, where's Frasier? <laughs> when are we getting to the Frasier factory? <laughs> okay, see. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I do like that Bob, uh, you know, this urbane voice, and he assures kids that Itchy and Scratchy aren't going away. I would bet... In a long-term plan for Sideshow Bob, he's getting rid of Itchy and Scratchy. I wonder why they kept Itchy and Scratchy. Well, the contract <laughs> probably keeps going that long yeah. with the Myers studio. And so they well, he can't break that contract. But as soon as it's up, no more Itchy and Scratchy on his show. A good thing about this episode is that Bob is a, a good host and mm. his show is beneficial to children. And the kids love it. Yeah, The kids <laughs> love hearing the man in the Iron Mask. I, That's a great twist that <laughs> no one hates Bob's new show. And how much Lisa loves it. Like, she smiles. Like, this is the show for Lisa. Like, she would prefer it to Bart's one. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a very smart idea that his show, despite
despite Bob being evil, his show is, as a net, much better for children. And, you know, you ask yourself, like, is he doing better for society than Krusty is? As Krusty, if Krusty was guilty, all he did was rob one liquor store as opposed to uh, poisoning the minds of children uh, everywhere. He robbed children of their youth. <laughs> Making them safe, they'll kill themselves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, as Bart is still convinced that Krusty is uh, is innocent, Lisa even gives him like kind of a, a, a harsh slap, but that's that's more like an old movie kind of thing there. Snap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you ditzy dame. And uh, Bart is forced to admit that Lisa is smarter than him. And uh, another thing from the original script is Maggie puts her hand in as well, and she's supposed to be present with them at the Quickie Mart, but is not. Hmm. So she is with them at the taping. So I think uh, she's Maggie was supposed to be present for all the scenes I, here. I do recall a line, like maybe Bart says it, like me and my sisters figured it out. Like uh, he, he includes Maggie in one of the statements later. I'm like, was Maggie there? I Like I didn't remember. <laughs> she she is there when they get to the studio in Act 3, but she's not yeah. at the Quickie Mart. I forgot how oh. Act 3 is just the investigation <laughs> period. That's it. And it all comes together. It's like a very short act. It's a real, I, I forgot how short it was until I was looking at my recording of it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, they, they head to the Quickie Mart and uh, they run into Apu and Apu is just on a razor's edge here. Like he is, he is <laughs> warning them. He says he's got eyes on them. He's, he's warning him. He has a gun. There's lots of like off screen Apu uh, chatter. I'm like, did they rewrite some lines and they freeze on some video or something? <laughs> I, I just didn't, it's like so weird to not see him and just hear him off screen. So on the commentary, Brad Bird comes off as a little defensive about this sequence because he knows it's kind of weak. He knows the posing is just very expository and simple, but he explains it of just like there are limited resources in animating a TV show. And by doing this one in a more simple way, it buys them the ability to do better stuff like the heart attack or what Bob will do in the very next scene as well. But yes, as they, they walk around the quickie Mart, they find a number of clues. Okay, okay, don't try anything funny. I'm armed to the teeth. Bart, look! Over here on the microwave. So? I don't have a pacemaker. Come on, Bart. The tape showed that the robber heated up a burrito. So? Don't you remember the get well card we sent to Krusty? It was after his heart attack when he had a pacemaker put in. <laughs> uh-huh. Wait a minute. Krusty can't read. Okay, okay. So the poor guy can't read. Can't we get off his back already? No, don't you get it, Bart? How could Krusty have been reading a magazine if he can't read? Hey, hey, this is not a lending library. If you're not going to buy that thing, put it down or I'll blow your heads off. Bart, I'm starting to think you're right. Krusty was framed. Did he have any enemies? I don't know. But I know someone who would. Krusty's best friend in the whole world. Sideshow Bob. Mm. <laughs> I love I love that line there. They're like, does he have any enemies? No, but Sideshow Bob's his best friend. Yeah, it's a weird train of thought Bart went on. Like, Bob must have enemies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, now that I think about it, like, a, bigger, a better question would be, like, why did Krusty the Clown rob a, a convenience store in his makeup and costume? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, there's no question of that, of why yeah. he clearly wanted to be caught, but nobody did that, that even level of investigation. Why was he hanging out in his house with makeup on still? You That's, know? True. That's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, I miss Bart's clomping hoof feet. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. We hear the squeaky, crusty feet. Like, pew, pew, yeah. pew. Yeah. When he's, like, walking but around. Bart, but Bart's specific, like, cartoonish Hanna-Barbera clomp of his feet <laughs> in season one is some of my favorite sound effects. 
And uh, I also like some of the pl- uh, posing of Lisa in this. Like she has her hand behind her back in a very like kind of Sherlock looking at stuff way. <laughs> and and this does set the standard for most mysteries in The Simpsons, which is Bart says he's going to solve it. Lisa solves it for him. And then Bart takes all the credit. Yeah. For yeah. Bart doesn't do anything <laughs> except like have the uh, the gusto to reveal mm. Bob on the air. If, you well, know, yeah. She's a real Watson, really. <laughs> He's the Sherlock who like puts it all together, and uh, I like how defensive Bart is. Just like, okay, okay, so the poor guy can't read. Can we get off his back already? <laughs> I also love the the drawing of like the stick figure having a heart attack on the yeah. microwave. That's so good. And uh, yes, the a not good drawing is the mint cigarettes that are on the back of the magazine they pick up. It's like M E N T. It's <laughs> it's very strange. I guess it mint. means menthol. Yeah, they just forgot the the HOL. And uh, Apu, yes, threatening to blow their heads off like that. This, the trigger, uh, the incredibly like traumatized trigger happy Apu. Hmm. All gone after this episode. I I can see why they didn't go with it. He's funnier as the friendly Apu, but I mean, I kind of like that the idea. Like I the, also, it's kind of tragic to talk about, but also in the news in the LA in the late '90s were violent convenience store clerks who shot people. Uh, the, so I I think it's a reference <laughs> to that as well. Uh, but that's not fun. Did to you get talk a load about. of the uh, the magazines in the background? They're just like muscle, right? Fun dance comic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sponge and vacuum should have been up there instead. And, Danger uh, liker. Yeah, they. <laughs> you're right though. They uh, they're the defensive on the commentary too. Just like boy, we didn't realize that every magazine could be a joke, so we didn't think of any. <laughs> I'm looking at these, and they're like, so we have fun, dance, date, bucks, bucks, teen. Comic World with Mickey Mouse on the cover. It's like oh, a Mickey Mouse head. Wow. And also uh, Sport. <laughs> sport. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's what happens when you leave, uh, you give no direction on what to do there. Well, like Bert said, this is a simpler scene they didn't work too hard on because they needed it for, I mean, if I was going to want to see great animation in this, would I rather see it when they're looking for clues or when Sideshow Bob is reading stuff? I, I think I'd prefer it for the reading. Me too. And uh, yes, in stark contrast to Krusty's illiteracy, Sideshow Bob, part of his show is reading a book on TV. Just him seated in a study, reading a book just and i have to imagine it's just a the for 10 minutes of the show it's a static camera angle and he just sits and reads a book i gotta say like when i was a kid in the 80s watching pbs a lot of shows were this i remember there were like two shows like this where someone would be reading a story and then a person would be drawing a picture like slowly as the person was like reading the story i'm like it was who had like who had the patience for that but i I was like (laughs) like what what's the picture gonna look like i was just waiting for that to come together but that's releasing some old memories in me i I believe it's called kind of figure that out the storyteller or something it was a guy and his wife and she and i think she was the one drawing like Uh, with like chalk and stuff in the background see i never watched those but i do remember it as a thing because uh space ghost coast to coast did a parody episode that was just that where they they got a Atlanta guy (laughs) to tell a story of like the banjo episode and then a guy draws it as he tells the story that's right. That was a good episode. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Casey, you know, that could be a future job for you. You should do a stream where, like, somebody reads a story and you draw draw what they're talking about. 
Yeah, drawing's fun when I'm not doing it for work. <laughs> uh, and uh, yes, he is reading The Man in the Iron Mask. Death of a Titan is a name of a chapter, but it's not the 35th chapter. It's the 50th chapter of it. Oh, or at least, someone got fired for that blunder. At least according to Gutenberg.com, uh, which is where I read it. And, <laughs> uh, and also, though, the closing lines of chapter 49 are what Bob says in this next scene, except there's four more words after... <laughs> <laughs> where he stops that are say that are now entering the cavern so he's slightly wrong there too hey he was trying to uh, find a good one to go out on it's <laughs> uh, abridged oh no it's a better it, yeah yeah uh maybe, maybe <laughs> although he cut out 15 chapters and that's why it's abridged too. he could have been reading a different translation oh you're right yeah. you're right well the gutenberg translation did have the words he said up to the four that were missing. But yeah, it is it is a translated text. But why do we hear reading and singing from old Sideshow Bob? A volley of musketry flamed, thundered, roared! A profound silence followed, broken only by the approaching footsteps of the 3rd Brigade. Next week, Chapter 35 of The Man in the Iron Mask, The Death of a Titan. Well, kids, that's our show for today. And now, in the words of Mr. Cole Porter, every time we say goodbye, I die a little. Every time we say goodbye, I wonder why a little. Every time we say goodbye. Oh, love it. Yeah, love I it. have a clip of the original song. Ah, uh, yes. The Cole Porter classic. With, I, got, I got to say, I like Kelsey Grammer's version better. Mm. That, speaking of taking its time, this song takes its time. <laughs> okay. Every time we say goodbye. Jesus. I Come on, let's go, let's go. I got places to be. <laughs> Podcast is long enough. We say. stop okay, this it's, right. it's it's like volume <laughs> yeah man they uh, i thought i thought uh cole porter did cocaine that uh he's, he's speeding this up get charlie parker uh, okay well he, he at least sang about cocaine like some get their kicks from cocaine but jesus i didn't realize that song was so low uh, like slow i'd never i've honestly only ever listened to the sideshow bob version of that song i thought sideshow bob's version was slow they linger on it. it's like no he sped it up <laughs> Uh, they must have in the mix have been like the, the show's too long as it is like speed up this song and uh yeah i saw that uh even lady gaga has covered that song in her duets album in 2014 uh but uh yeah written in 1944 that man that slow ass version of it though jesus you're trying to prolong the saying of goodbye goodbye i get it so when you take your best gal out for a dance and it's the last dance of the night that's right and you got to go to war <laughs> I don't uh, want to say goodbye to that. And uh, and every pose in that sequence is just beautiful. Like his his flame thunder roared. Like his hands oh, up. Oh yeah. Oh man. And every I even laugh at kind of the funny drawing of it. Like when his his hand is kind of back a little bit. He's like every time. Like that drawing's even funny to me. Like 
God, the perfect drawings. They loved drawing Sideshow Bob here. Like you could just see the passion in in every shot of it. As the next scene comes, Bob is uh, being congratulated on a show well done. And we get our first Bob laugh. It's a great show, Sideshow. Switchboards were jammed. The kids loved it. Thanks, Ed. I'm glad we finally dispelled the myth that I'm too uptown for the tots. And yet I can't help thinking about poor Krusty. <laughs> and the shading on that, I think that's the only time that kind of dramatic shading was done in all of season one. Like this, you this, could tell that they didn't really know how to do it yet because there are like pencil lines where all the shading starts instead yeah. of having it just be one color of paint and then another color of paint. Like you can see where the drawing of the shading is. Too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And I really want to know what's going on with that poster in the back, like the very distracting poster in the back of his uh, office. You could see when he's laughing. Oh, I missed that. The, uh, what did it say? It says Don Cascali, and I looked it up, and I'm huh. like, I can't find a Google search Im- like image for this or a, or a result or anything. Mm. It's of a guy like in a beret. Interesting. Maybe it's uh, like a poster from an opera he went to. Like, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's weird. I I missed that one. I my eyes were so so drawn to his laughter. And uh, that's the first of many great evil cackles from old Sideshow Bob yakking it up on the old yak box. And uh, yeah, then Act 3 starts with Bob's face showing he has replaced Krusty. That's how much things have changed. That's the the three faces of this episode. And, and the also the first speaking role for an Asian character on The Simpsons. Oh, wait, who? One of the... Well, it's like a very Asian uh, accent, like, we see your face on keychains. I don't want to do the oh, accent, but it's uh, okay. clearly... And you look at the character, it's like, this. Is, I guess they were trying to figure out what does an Asian person look like. Oh, I didn't, uh, I didn't yeah. even realize that. Well, here, I've got the clip here because it precedes the very... Very important first meeting of Sideshow Bob and Bart. As long as we don't count Telltale Head, where technically Sideshow Bob is part of the mob <laughs> trying to kill Bart. Let's not count yeah. that. This is their first meeting, okay? We see your face on kitchen. And water action pan. And snow domes. This is all very exciting. But I think we'd do well to explore the more upscale market. For instance, Sideshow Bob limited edition prints. Collector's plates. Commemorative coins. Ah. Oh, uh, some kids are here to see you, Sideshow Bob. They, they say it's important. Oh, well, we can sign these contracts tomorrow. Certainly. I take great pride in being able to sign my own name. Hi, Sideshow Bob. Sideshow Bob, can we ask Forgive you... Forgive me, children. As much as Sideshow Bob would love to chat, he has a show starting in moments. Here you go. Three tickets. Be my guest. Uh, okay, but... Come, come. Let's run along. He should have signed those contracts. Yep. Yeah, that's it's so great. They almost he almost signs it and he'd be rich. Everything would have changed. It's it's nice how they show how close he got. But wow. He I, just said he had time for kids. <laughs> and then just like fucking push them along. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's only so he, uh, he that's why he's barefoot in this entire scene, too. It's only so he can put on the shoes in front of Bart so Bart can see that he has long feet. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Bob, wow, that was a good catch. I had been so distracted by Kelsey Grammer's voice all this time. I did not realize that was a um, rather intentional uh, Asian accent yes. on that person. There. So if you're an Asian woman want to cosplay as The Simpsons, there are now two characters. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, three. I, heard, I, like, I heard that, too, as a bad Asian accent. And I was like, she didn't particularly look like it, but that sounded kind of like, yeah, you're right. Like, 
man. Well, yeah. rough. <laughs> this this makes me even more convinced that this bit here is pulled from Greening's meetings with Simpsons merchandise people ahead of the show. Like as uh, as we'd find out in like you know he did a December '89 interview where he's saying like oh yeah we've been meeting with the merch people they want to do this they want to do that like so by the time they're writing this Matt Greening has been having the meetings with the people who make stuff and I could totally imagine that in his meetings he would have had the white guy who owns the company and probably an Asian person who runs the factory that Mm. makes them in China like I could see them pulling it from there like that uh but yeah now that that it makes me sad Bob you made me I'm sorry I'm sorry so we've got this woman we've got Cookie Kwan and we have uh Barney's girlfriend in uh Humber's Barbershop Quartet Yeah, and um, when they were making this episode, they didn't know the show would be a hit, but they were obviously making merch ahead of time before yeah, the airing. The the Bart dolls were coming our way already. Like, in uh, if you guys want to hear a nice blast from the past, the December '89 interview on Fresh Air that Matt Groening does with Terry Gross, it it's really good. He talks about how like yeah, we had uh, a tough time at first figuring out how to make a Bart head, a big plastic Bart head for the dolls. So they they knew in the production pipeline to. Create Create Bartmania was turning way before the episodes of the show started airing. And uh, yes, yeah, so the kids are able to get onto a TV station as they easily do in many other episodes. <laughs> and I also love the line, I take great pride in being able to sign my own name. <laughs> uh, and Maggie is there with them when he walks in. So I guess they, they just forgot to pose out Maggie in the, or the Quickie Mart scene. Or if they're trying oh, yeah. to make the Quickie Mart scene as easy as possible, then you don't draw Maggie in there. The line that I caught later is Bart says, my sisters and I have been investigating. Yeah. So yeah, that's <laughs> Maggie was supposed to that's be That's why if, he, if the recording says sisters, then they got to draw Maggie in there. Maggie was playing in the microwave. Very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Which that makes it even crazier that they were able to just like, hey, Maggie's coming with us to the show. Like Marge is like, sure. You, you, have fun. Bart, you can take care of her. Marge is not really a factor in this episode. No. I guess after she tells, uh, yeah, after she gets together Bart's crusty merch in the middle of the episode, we never see her again. Uh, so here's one of the biggest changes from the original script that I, I found. In the original script, before Sideshow Bob comes out, there is a Sideshow Bob theme song written into the script. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And hmm. uh, I shall now sing it for you. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Sideshow Bob, he's a man who never stole, never had a rap sheet, never on parole. He won't let you down or get thrown in the can, won't make you frown. He's a stable wild man. He's your friend and idol, Sideshow Bob. That's great. Yes. Interesting. Although I'm glad they went with the, you know, cavalcade of women's like dun 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 And it speeds things up. Too. Yeah, and it's it's classy. It's like it's like a circus version of classy music. So the joke yeah. is uh yeah, yeah. It's really better. Yeah. Uh, we complimented the music by Richard Gibb for They asked him to there. dress up an existing piece of music. <laughs> well, well his arrangement is good. Yeah. It's, you guys uh, are giving this guy some good. We're gonna we're gonna hear all the Gibbs things coming up soon. <laughs> uh, well, yes, yeah, so the show begins and Bob is fully replaced crusty hello children whom do you love come on bart go with the flow how much do you love me with all our hearts about a zillionth as much as i love crusty today's show promises to be a marvelous celebration of the human spirit but first i regret (laughs) to say i see a youngster who looks troubled what's your name young man 
Bart Simpson, sir. Hmm. Well, perhaps we can shed some light on your problem in a new segment exploring pre-adolescent turmoil. I call it Choices. <laughs> I don't think so, sir. Bart, I'm reaching out to you. <laughs> I love the, it's very, they said in the commentary, it's very Donahue posing, like going yeah. up into the audience and like resting your hand, your arm on your knee and like talking, like <laughs> right. being very personal, touchy-feely. And the Choices set is more like a Sally Jesse Raphael set or something. It even you... <laughs> gets like a weird, it's hard to even make out in the background, but it gets like a weird like little musical sting, like yeah. cheesy, schmaltzy, <laughs> uh, like, like daytime talk show music. And I also like in Bob's adjusted intro, he says, whom yeah. do you love? And he doesn't ask them if uh, they'll kill themselves yes. if he goes off the air. So Bob is better for kids. In every way. He's, he's not better. encouraging self-harm. And uh, I also like how this is written that every kid loves Bob except for Bart. And Bob's hubris is that he wants to even win over the last boy who still loves Krusty more. Mm. And that is his undoing. Like if he hadn't put Bart on television in this in the choices segment, he could have kept it a secret at least. If he knew Bart knew, he could hide it or maybe just murder Bart as he always plans to do after this episode. But instead he lets him be on TV and he's he's again that's his hubris he wants to def- he can finally truly defeat Krusty if he makes the last boy stop loving him <laughs> that's uh and so Bart gets uh, on the stage of choices I love the design of it and I also love how he tells him just like but the other kids don't accept you true sideshow Bob but that doesn't bother me <laughs> Bob then hears all of uh the evidence and he's got a refutation for it all so what's on your mind Bart I bet the other children don't accept you. True sideshow, Bob, but that doesn't bother me. You see, my sisters and I have been doing a little investigating, and it looks to us like Krusty was framed. Framed? Well, the videotape showed that the thief used the microwave oven at the Quickie Mart. But Krusty couldn't go near the thing, not with his pacemaker. Well, you know, Bart, as much as I love Krusty, he was never one to take doctor's orders too seriously. Well, maybe. But get this. Krusty was illiterate, and the guy who robbed the store was reading the Springfield Review of Books. Ah, well, Bart. The fact is, you don't have to be able to read to enjoy the Springfield Review of Books. Just look at these amusing caricatures of Gore Vidal and Susan Sontag. Uh Yeah. I guess those are kind of funny. (laughs) Children, this whole Uh sordid affair has been a shock to all of us, but we must get on with our lives. Some such great posing on Bob, and uh, like the little expressions and everything. Oh, yeah, his subtle, like, uh uh-oh. He's, he's posing on framed like he's like wait a minute I uh, yeah I love that uh, the, the little frightened look in his eyes and mm-hmm. and his acting is on overcompensating for every uh, cover he has of like ba- Bart's easy evidence I love extra that when he's making an excuse he's like well obviously I have a copy of the Springfield Review of Books right here and you see it's it's actually pretty great it's easy. on the set yeah it's yeah. funny it shows that would what be a, f- a damning piece of evidence <laughs> if it was the same book Krusty had and I love how Bart's like, well, those are kind of funny to the to Gore Vidal and Susan Sontag characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's uh, Bart's being very nice there, but uh, I don't think he knows. Nobody, uh, that's a great joke too, that if you can't read, you don't give a shit about a drawing of Gore Vidal or Susan Sontag. Uh, but yeah, and, and it's such a great choice too. The review of books, because 
if it was like, say, just People magazine or Newsweek, ones that have a bunch of photos in it, it'd be easy to say like, well, he's looking at photographs or whatever. But a, a magazine only about books that doesn't have a picture on the cover, that makes it even more of an unfriendly to illiterate yeah. magazine. And something Sacha Bob would read anyways. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which, again, part of his set dressing on poses. It's like on the fake coffee table they have there. I love that. But uh, yes, Bob is trying to, to close the book on all this, and that's when it hits Bart. Uh-oh. Let's try to remember Krusty, not as a hardened criminal... But as that lovable jester who honked his horn and putted around in his little car. And shot you out of a cannon. And shot me out of a cannon. Yes, we will never forget that, will we? <laughs> Bart, open your heart. I admit I have some mighty big shoes to fill. Big but if shoes you give me to fill. Big shoes 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 to fill. There was a school of thought called Stoicism. Wait a minute. You did it. <gasps> Excuse me. Uh, God, the big shoes to fill thing. I love that. It, it, just the echoing of Kelsey Grammer's voice and then the neon feet going into the screaming mouth. Like it's it's great just editing work. Like yeah. it, it, who knows how much even was done in animation. And the pull out as Bart just like turns his head as he realizes what's uh, happening. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. well done. Though here's a goof em up. Uh-oh. The uh, the neon feet, they all have five toes, not oh, four toes. Bob's a freak. <laughs> what the <laughs> Uh, but yes, the the way he points at him, he's like, "You did it," and then he's like, "Excuse me." Like great, great <laughs> acting on uh, Kelsey there too. And uh, as this child takes over the show, they should really cut the cameras. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this is uh, it's a small town station. It's live TV. Nobody, nobody knows anything. Uh, but actually, this is where I made a new connection I had not made before. Uh, and it's partially thanks to that guy 3002 on Twitter. In the original script, Bart grabs the mic and talks to the audience. And he says, kids in TV land. And instead of kids watching at home, or well, you'll hear it in the next clip, but he doesn't say kids in TV land. Mm. In the original Krusty the Clown short on Tracy Ullman, mm. the story is that Bart doesn't think the Krusty he meets in person is the real Krusty. And he rips off Krusty's nose, calls him an imposter, grabs the microphone and speaks oh, to yeah. the camera and says, kids in TV land. That's not Krusty. So this is... Uh, fully a sequel scene to that like it is a takeoff from the crusty the clown original short so that was uh i was like whoa i i never i never realized that Hmm. until until we rewatched all the shorts which you can watch our rewatch of those at the ten dollar level patreon.com slash talking simpsons i recommend them (laughs) but yes so it's you know it's hard to remember a time when there weren't a lot of simpsons and so these guys jay and wally writing a script they only have the shorts to go off on, and they I think they used that scene from the Krusty short as a uh, jumping off point mm-hmm. for this scene. It's about the revealing of an imposter yeah, on a yeah. clown show. But Bart is actually correct this time instead of the uh, instead of wrong in the Ullman short. But yes, Sideshow Bob is caught. Attention, fellow children! Krusty didn't rob that store. Sideshow Bob framed him, and I got proof. Oh, fuck you, lousy, <laughs> stupid, clumsy... <gasps> Kids, right? Mm-hmm. How do you figure we missed that? Get off your tufts, boys. Get out of that studio. 
<laughs> yes, I admit it. I hated him. His hackneyed shenanigans robbed me of my dignity for years. I played the buffoon while he squandered a fortune on his vulgar appetites. That's why I framed Krusty. I would have gotten away with it, too, if it went for these meddling kids. Take him away, boys. Treat kids as equals. They're people, too. They're smarter than you think. They were smart enough to get me. The uh, in the original script, it ends with Bart saying, "Take him away, so take him away, boys." So there is no treat kids as equals. There, people like I love it. His last moment, he's still being a great uh, respecter of children who wants to <laughs> yeah, just help. Yeah, I was sitting there yeah. like, you know, I agree with that that maniac. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, even though that. all of his episodes after this would be about trying to kill a child. Yes, well, yeah. most of them. Yeah, if, if not one child, then all children and everyone else in Springfield within uh, atom bomb. Uh, I. <laughs> I also just love his line of like, while well, he squandered a fortune on his vulgar appetites. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you think this would have had a bigger impact if the audience we did not know did not see like him laughing evilly, hmm. like in that earlier? Like if if it was actually a big reveal, uh, like uh oh, it was Bob. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Now that you mentioned, it, I think that was kind of a, a mistake to they told it to too show early. to show the hand that early. Yeah, mm. yeah. Though it does make the comedy funnier in first viewing when he's like framed what like those yeah, covers I mean, they, are they play it up very well but it just like it feels like something we'll never be able to truly understand if, if the other way and uh i mean his whole speech too of the meddling kids uh in 1990, it was it was still very clever to do a Scooby Doo reference. Yeah, like that. it was fresh at the time, right? Yeah, and what? Uh, like, yeah, probably. The Wayne's World movie would be like two years later, and they do a Scooby Doo ending. Though in eighty, I think it started eighty seven, eighty eight was Pup named Scooby Doo, which was Scooby Doo dunking on itself. <laughs> About damn time! <laughs> Took twenty years. Yeah, uh, I mean, all of us. Uh, well, we were watching Scooby Doo reruns when we were seven, and so I think I did get this reference but the writers of the show had had their minds numbed by scooby-doo's their entire lives yeah they so. were kids for the original run these yeah, writers yeah. so yeah uh but yes he's he's pulled away another of my favorite drawings in the whole episode is like they were smart enough to catch me like on that me his his desperate look is so great before they shut the doors yeah yeah, yeah. Of the, the paddy wagon and uh <laughs> also bart's assertion that good-hearted people have small feet and large feet is a sign of the devil i would say Oh, no. I I like that Bart Bart does a correct logical conclusion. Then he makes the next jump of like, yes, he has big feet, and that's how it was him in the video. And obviously he's evil because as we all know, evil people have big feet. Like he, he why, then throws in some uh, magic in there. That's why basketball's an evil sport. That's why <laughs> that's we, sh- we shut it down. That's why. Uh, <laughs> yeah, didn't you see uncut gems? Oh, man, I love Uncut Gems. <laughs> All basketball people are evil. Uh, you know, Kevin Kevin Durant, he seemed, he seemed like an understanding guy there. <laughs> so, yes, uh, there's also a really great just match cut of the doors slam on Bob and then the doors open on Krusty in the next shot. It's it's really good of the, the courthouse door opening. It's that and, bird touch. And uh, Homer and Krusty walking down the stairs together. I feel it's a very intentional choice of an image of just like, yeah, they, they look the same. <laughs> You notice that audience? And uh, yes, we have our our happy ending as as Krusty won't forgive anybody except uh, except Bart. <laughs> well, we made a terrible terrible mistake. Uh, won't happen again. It better not, you dimwit. Krusty, I'm mad <laughs> enough to admit I was wrong, 
And I'm sorry I fingered you in court. I sincerely hope that the horrible stories I heard about what goes on in prison are exaggerated. Well, the important thing is that I regain the trust of the children. But there was one boy who trusted me all along. Bart? Yes, sir? Thank you. Serene circus. Yeah, the happy circus. <laughs> the, cl- yeah. the clown stopped crying. <laughs> <laughs> there's a great, there's a great um, sophisticated little touch there. I mean, it's not super complicated, but how the the shot that they take of Krusty and Bart turns into like the shot that's hanging in his room. Yeah, and yeah. they pull out from it. Yeah, it's really nice. That's really good. I yeah. mean, that's like a Citizen Kane kind of shot. Mm, the, the, like the photograph of the newspaper t- group, and then it uh, pans out, and it's uh, it, the photo that's up in the office that's true i could see bird intentionally doing a cane thing there but yeah no that's a really good that's a really good touch and uh i noticed that crusty's signature is like very childlike like just i i like to believe that while in prison crusty began to learn how to read like uh by like father like clown he can at least like sound out like dear oh yeah crusty he's like turning the letter around yeah yeah i but later crusty has to be reminded that Bart did this. Yes, yeah. Uh, what yeah. have you done for me lately? Yeah. Some of my favorite sounds I've, I've done a lot of my life. Like, <laughs> he's not quite as gruff uh, as I wanted to be. He's still in the Jebediah's head <laughs> yes. kind of voice. Yeah, he's he's the higher register that Dan was doing in yeah. season one with him. Yeah, but uh, I say that I say Jebediah's head and Krusty's voice a lot out loud in my apartment <laughs> because uh, I don't I don't leave it anymore. I can't. Your bro- your bird's gonna be saying that the next. I, time I want see him to him. say Jebediah's head. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been uh, like a three-hour recording. Uh, but I guess the last uh, bit I want to call out there is I I love that a cop apologizes for arresting the wrong person. They're like, that won't happen again. Like, yeah, no, better no, not. It will happen. The, the cops are famous for how many uh, innocent people have been arrested by them. But the and the, Wiggum's just gonna get dumber. Oh yeah, no. I mean, Wiggum. Wiggum should be eating his gun if this was like a season thirty episode. <laughs> like, it, not not in a self harm kind of way. Of just know, he's like he thought it was chocolate. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. The the design of the parting shot of, of Bart's room full of crusty merchandise is very sweet. I I have to assume that crusty gave him a bunch of free merchandise to replace all the stuff that got destroyed. Honestly, it's probably hope. a real bonanza for Krusty. Everybody has to buy new Krusty merch to replace the old stuff they all burned together. <laughs> and uh, yes, just like Bart, Krusty has a bunch of green shirts on his merch uh, back then. And it's a cute ending, but in future Simpsons, that kind of ending, they just have the normal cute, en- uh, the sweet ending music they, they just play in most mm. episodes instead of the happy circus, as we heard. One more with Gib. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, oh, so much Mambo in that next one. Oh, but, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, man, I think this is one of our longest in a while. But how could it not be with so much great, crusty comedy and the first Kelsey Grammer appearance like everything about this is great like even even when you talk about a higher average of great episodes in season two I still would say if you just looked at season one and two this is in top five episodes I would say so and it's weird solid season one definitely and it's so weird that Kelsey Grammer is in five minutes of it but he's that powerful (laughs) that you think he's in the whole thing you know every word he says is just so remarkable and yeah I and great direction too that tried a lot of stuff the other ones didn't uh, the other 
episodes in season one didn't didn't get a chance to try or nobody wanted to try and uh yeah man i just love it like uh i mean casey any other any other final thoughts no, this is just a, this is a excellent episode. Like I remember uh, when you had uh, Matt and Virgil on, but they they tried to get him on for season one, mm. and then Matt was like, "No, that I don't like season one. It, it makes <laughs> me feel bad." I was like, "I get season one is a little rough, but like this is a solid episode. I love moaning Lisa also, like the bit with Marge coming back and and telling that stuff to to Lisa at the end. That's one yeah. of my favorite moments. Also, like you gotta enjoy the art, even the even like the weirder parts. I, I don't want to." say bad because i don't hate this i love i love the look of old classy chupo Mm -hmm. uh, simpsons Uh, well awesome well thank you so much casey yes and casey can you plug whatever you're working on right now in your twitter of course i'm working on getting the busted crusty the crown (laughs) clown figure for 13 dollars on ebay that's not bad (laughs) and he talks he talks if you put him on the prison playset well, maybe I'll look for the prison playset next. <laughs> I have a couple of playsets, but not the prison one. No, I, I guess pr- uh, prudent to my talk about Squeak the Mouse and Itchy and Scratchy is a new comic I, I put out called Me and You. It's an anthology I, I'm doing where it's about kind of uh, the spirit of duality in life and between, you know, people ourselves you and someone else or whatever it's also just absurd slapstick and and odd and weirdness uh, and the likes of spy versus spy or or those old tom and jerry stuff there are two issues out that you can read online and buy on my store uh, go to caseygreen.com.com and you'll see the link there <laughs> first one's about two baby birds uh throwing each other off the nests over and over and the second one is about a cat and mouse oh boy all right i'm gonna check these out for sure yeah, just go to caseygreen.com.com. And obviously follow you on Twitter. Uh, oh, yeah. People can stay in the loop not only on your your viral threads about redrawing scenes from The Simpsons, but also whenever there's a new fuck off, I, I believe you tweeted mm-hmm. out too. Yeah, I always post it on Twitter. Um, there's a, oh, yeah, fuck off has a actual URL that goes just to the Webtoon site, but it's, it's an easier way of uh, archiving it. It's comicswebsite.online. <laughs> oh, that's easy to remember. Yeah. I hope so. Um, yeah, there's always a new, I try to do at least four a week. There's no real uh, schedule for it. Because, so, you know, you know fuck, fuck that stuff off. You know? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Casey Green with two N's, just like Clown Stopper. <laughs> I was saying you Twitter handle when we were talking about that extra end. Yeah. Yeah. I'm staying in and doing my work. <laughs> uh, well, uh, us too. And then we thank you so much for coming back, Casey. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, y'all. So thanks again to Casey Green for being a guest on this show. And please check out all of his stuff online. But as for us, if you want to support our show and get some great rewards on top of that, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And if you sign up at the $5 level, you'll get all of our shows one week in advance and ad free. And you'll also get access to all of the podcasts behind the $5 paywall, over 100 bonus podcasts that you haven't heard. That includes all of our limited miniseries, which uh, the last one we did was Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1. And uh, we are now in the middle of Talking Mission Hill, our newest Patreon miniseries. We're doing Mm -hmm. the entire only season of Mission Hill with our Talking Simpsons treatment, having a lot of fun doing that. And we hope you check it out at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons at the $5 dollar level that new miniseries and so many of the other things we've done in the past nearly three years of this patreon and henry please tell everyone out there what's happening at the ten dollar level one super long podcast every month for ten dollar and up patrons 
That's right. The What a Cartoon Movie is what Bob's talking about. We, once a month, do a different animated feature film in the Talking Simpsons style, often for over four hours long. Some of our longest and most in-depth podcasts, uh, you know, our most recent one, Castle of Cogliostro, the Lupin Miyazaki classic. But, you know, as uh, I talked about it before, but if you really loved all this uh, discussion of the career of Brad Bird and its connection to The Simpsons, you would do yourself quite a favor if you listened to our one for The Iron Giant that we did back in December. So please check all of those out for 10 bucks a month at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast. You can find that every week wherever you find podcasts or head on over to patreon.com slash retronauts where we're offering two exclusive full-length episodes a month just for $5 and up patrons. Again, check it out wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts for more great stuff. Henry, how about you? Hey, I'm Henry Gilbert, and be sure to follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I'm always tweeting up a storm on there, and if you want to stay in the loop about what's going on with me and all the podcasts, you should follow me there. Plus, you should be following the official Twitter account of this podcast and our sister podcast, What a Cartoon. That's at Talk Simpsons Pod. At Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter will keep you up to date with all the comings and goings with all of our cool podcasts, as well as some other fun stuff. So please, if you're not a follower of it yet, follow at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week for the final episode of season one, but the first in production, Some Enchanted Evening. That's our show for today. And now, in the words of Mr. Cole Porter, Every time we say goodbye, I die a little. Every time we say goodbye, I wonder why a little. Every time we say goodbye.